The preceding podcast may be explicit. It may also contain references to and examples of bodily functions. If these things annoy you, you should stop listening now. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. Thank you for joining us for Season 16, Episode 9 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Bill. This is Stork. And this is Jib. That was Lilting. The song? Because yeah, it it's, was, not, it's nice. It's a, it's got a, it's it's a nice mellow jam. It's like there's a little Jamaican squeezing your balls. Right, it's, a, it's right. mob barley. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the Jamaican mob that's your barley. Jamaican mob barley. It should be. <laughs> <clears throat> we got a convention coming up in a week. Woo-hoo! Yep, I can't Shit. believe it's a week. I really ah! should prep a game. Orcon 2016 at the yep. LAX Hilton Hotel. I signed up for games today. I noticed all y'all were sold out already, so yep. congratulations. Ah, uh, but only, only, only half. half. Only half. Only half. So if you are going to the convention <clears throat> and you have not gotten into a Happy Jacks game, at noon is when they'll open the, the run. Put on your armor. That's right. And wade into the... Well, you can. He'll, he'll be handing out numbers. Right. There's no running of the geeks. It's organized. <laughs> no. Was ist das registration? Oh my God! Cutest thing today because that's made me think about it. So we had a uh, reading event at work, and we had uh, this magnet school come in, and it's a language magnet school. We had a hundred second graders that were broken into four different groups of the languages, mm-hmm. like the other languages they speak. I had all the little German kids. Oh, my God. It was like the cutest thing. They're all, Guten Morgen. It's like, you know. <laughs> there is a chocolate. It was just so They're from cute. Germany? Uh, they're from Germany, or their parents are. Okay. And so it's this right. magnet school, and there was like Italian, French, <coughs> Spanish, and German were mm-hmm. like four major languages. And I just had like these ridiculously cute little kids all just rambling off in German. It was freaking <laughs> awesome. The problem with magnet schools is they're either really attractive or very repulsive. It's very true. <laughs> they are. And they make your facial hair get all like yeah. stick out weird. <laughs> They they do that only, only if you're like one of those <laughs> little draw guys. <laughs> sure. Um, oh, I forgot. So yeah, you had a whole entire class full of Augustus Gulups. What? What's he doing? Ah, it's Wagtangy Day. Dulcet. Wagtangy Day. Wagtangy Day. Are you gonna sing to him? Sure. What are we singing? Happy Wagtangy Day. Yeah. Okay. Ah, happy Wagtangy Day to you. Happy Waitangi Day to you. Happy Waitangi Day, dear Zealand. Happy Waitangi Day to We did almost in tune. We did a didgeridoo. Don't as, like, yeah. as, as close as that is to in tune. We were perfect. Yeah, <laughs> we were awesome. It hasn't been tuned in a week and a half. <laughs> you think that's like sexy Barry White music to New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that? Is that? That's Australian though. Doesn't matter. Whatever. 
They're all criminal islands. <laughs> I don't know what the history of New Zealand is. I have no idea. Well, it's I just than, know that they have Waitangi Day. It's better than Old Zealand, I'll tell you that. Well, when the hobbits discovered it... Is there an old <laughs> I don't know! <laughs> there's an old York. There's York, and then there's New York. I'm assuming there's so maybe New there Zealand. was just Zealand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, there's a... There, isn't there a... There's Lou Zealand, which is the <laughs> Muppet that throws the fish. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get the notes I sent you on Waitangi Day? I, I... You know what? I meant to bring some Waitangi Day dildos that we could throw at each other. I know. It's so good. <laughs> It's amazing. If you have not seen it, you can go... Somebody posted it in our Facebook group. Yes. Or just go on the internet and put in Waitangi Day 2016, and the first news article that comes up is the protester that threw a giant... Dildo. Dildo. At, at the Prime Minister. Yeah. It's was awesome. it shaped like a didgeridon't? No, no it, was, it, was it was a, a big one, too. I'm going to do you. <laughs> and it, was, it hits him right in the nose. I really don't want to play a didgeridoo that's shaped like a dildo. I it's mean, amazing. That's just, uh, it was not a modest dildo. It was a big one. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> a modest dildo. It was like that. <laughs> That's so going to be like my my punk modest dildo. immodest dildo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sticking to your guns, maintaining a tone through a campaign from Jake in the Midwest. Happy Jacks, yo. I oh yo yo to yourself. Yo too. yo. Um, What's up, yo? I've been a listener and occasional submitter. Hey, wow. hey. Do I have a whip? I don't think I have a whip. You sure you got to have something? I don't. I've got one of these. That's not the same though. That's no. not a whip. No, no, that's yo. Uh, I don't think I have a whip anymore. What happened to your whip? I used to have a whip on the other one, but I don't have a whip on this one. I got, no, I don't. I have well, there's a whip. A whip there. There's a way. Uh, Submitter phrasing during your early years. Perhaps you remember the orc who sent you a voice message. I do remember I, that. I remember this, yes. I don't. From the cell phone contraption he found. That's when we had voicemails. And we would, li- we would, we would get them and not day. listen to them beforehand. <laughs> like, the, like, the, like the phone call from... <laughs> from China. China was the best. <laughs> it still makes us laugh. <laughs> oh, oh my god. And that's years ago now. That's like four years ago. Uh, yeah. Because it was it was about this time of year after I moved here. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. <coughs> okay. I'm still getting over my cold. Excuse the coughing. I'll hit the cough button from now on if I can. To this day... All right, uh, we have another email. We don't screen these. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring that voicemail on. All right. From a cell phone contraption he found. But that was years ago. Alas, I must confess, I've been a douche and have fallen out of listening. I have no excuse. That's right. You have no excuse. Thankfully, I had turned several gamer friends of mine into Happy Jack's listeners. And one had mentioned a, rec- a recent episode at one of your sessions. Regardless, it got me remembering, reminiscing, and back into listening. Come on. What it going? Why is it not working? Your soundboard sucks. It normally doesn't. It normally works or great. Or blows. One of the two. I don't know. Check in with that thing. I think it's just a phrase. He actually blows. <laughs> there it goes. All right. Thank you. That, yeah, was, that was worth, worth the wait. Yeah. <laughs> thank God you got that working. <laughs> 
listening recent episodes whenever Cedric Jake in the Midwest is back in the saddle balance is restored Jake from the Midwest is back in the saddle I write seeking advice in DMing with discipline in regard with regards I really need a whip don't I for this email Uh, with regards to establishing and maintaining a desired tone background Soon, I will be running my group in their very first Star Wars campaign. Yay! I've run a few sessions with Edge of the Empire for the purpose of selling them on the system. Now that they're on board, uh, we've collectively agreed on playing in Age of Rebellion for an ongoing campaign. First hit's free. There you go. By the way, if you hear a lot of sniffing, it's because Stu did a ton of coke i did the podcast right off of the inside of a hooker's thigh unfortunately most of it ran down because when he poured it out it was it was all over so i only do pepsi yeah (laughs) (laughs) keep a good keep a good chip no fry uh i like rc really i i remember the old rc cola so good Mm. remember cactus cooler yeah they're still around they're awesome ultimate hangover cure cure Cactus cooler and an. Do they make diet because I can't have sugar anymore. No, mm-hmm. it's cactus. I'm sure they might. Now I consider myself a generous GM. I say yes to promote creative and outside the box thinking. I rule in favor of the players' success when uncertain about the rules. I have a hard time sitting on kick-ass new loot. The characters are are yet to earn. The reason I mention this is that. The gritty tone of a military campaign where our heroes are on the losing underdog side implies a certain tone that I passionately want to do justice. However, I am fully aware of my tendencies that are in stark contrast to that uh, of a drill sergeant, not shying, but brutal realities of war. Not shying from brutal realities of war. And being true to the big picture that should honestly, at least initially, not have the PCs as any sort of center. I don't want to start out the campaign at the you're-my-only-hope level. The PCs will be fresh out of, if still not in, the Alliance equivalent of boot camp. I want them to have no delusions of grandeur. I want them to feel mortal. And if they prove to be exceptional, earn heroic status over time. Fantasy Flight Games does some inspiring mechanics that complement this. For instance, the party levels up in stature within the Rebellion and is entrusted with more valuable missions and equipment as the player levels uh, up individually. Additionally, uh, I will wait to invent a lot of campaign-catalyzing events based on the PCs the players create with their respective backgrounds, careers, and duties, etc. Uh, I'm confident I have great players and the right tools to get this unwinnable struggle against the Empire underway. Excuse me. However, I seek your sagely wisdom in how to to establish and maintain a tone. In this case, a gritty, desperate, and unforgiving military tone. Um, We have been conditioned over the years and have grown accustomed to a campaign where heroic status is... uh, is a given upon character creation. I want to impress upon my players... From the outset that this will not be the case. The rebellion needs each and every member to be sure, but that is the extent of them being special. I can say as much to them, obviously, but the trick will be following through and actually pulling it off. I want to avoid sticking my head up 
after a few sessions in Age of Rebellion, only to realize I've been treating these no-name soldiers like they are the chosen ones. Thanks, Jake from the Midwest. So, tone. So the first thing I think you have to do to have a gritty, desperate, unforgiving military tone, so you have to have a gravel. And then it's important that you talk kind of loudly like you're shouting. And then, oh, not that, not that kind of tone. I thought it was. I think that's a perfect tone. Is that a perfect tone? I think it's a perfect tone. Just GM like that the (laughs) entire time. Just GM like that the entire time. Um, One thing I would suggest is early on, like in the first half hour of the first session, have a couple of NPCs with them who've been friends with them and they've been through boot camp together, they're buddies in boot camp, and then fucking kill them. Kill them mercilessly, hideously, in the most grotesque fashion you can conceive of. That will set the tone. I, I would also say keep ammo and weapons to the bare minimum. Oh, yeah. So that they are counting every bullet or blaster shot, and they are looking to upgrade weapons constantly. They're but don't let them. Stuck with, but don't let them. They, they, they're always stuck with underpowered crap that doesn't quite work right. Right. And even yeah. if they loot bodies, they're getting the equivalent. Or well, you're getting blasters from stormtroopers. How can they possibly work right? They don't. They, they don't. don't. They don't. Right. Sights are off. Right. Balance is off. You just shot the guy. He flew through the wall, and that was yeah. The gun is basically useless, and, and or they're just crappy guns. So, but I would that to my to my mind keeping keeping their equipment down to a like just standard issue is going to really put a damper on how well they can play. And well, you can give them all any- the standard issue blasters they want. They're still If it's anything like like Edge of Empires, Edge of the Empire, uh you can't help but start <laughs> with shitty gear cuz you have no fucking money right. and you have to buy everything when you start. <clears throat> Keep money down too. Right. So, I'm sure they have some mechanic like Agent Rebellion like that even if they're given equipment that you it's have it like doesn't have obligation. They have a what's what's the duty. 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 Okay. Duty! You guys said dude. <laughs> duty! Yeah, uh, Age of Empire stuff. is obligation, Age of Rebellion is duty, and Force and Destiny is honor. Right. So I'm sure there's some mechanic yeah, when you they can, start you can, where... You, you can take more of it and get more stuff. Right. Yeah. But even then, even with our greedy group, it's not like we had a bunch of stuff no. when we started. Mm-mm. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I've never seen anybody happier than when, like, Bruce found stuff. It's like, oh, I right. found things. Yeah, <laughs> you guys find a wrecked ship and like, oh my god, we can put stuff on it. We can get stuff that we don't have to pay for. We can steal parts. <laughs> um, so I think part of, I, I agree with Jib. A great thing to do is to show them their mortality, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that they're mortality adjacent, not necessarily killing one of them. And and depending on what you do, I mean, if they if they know that they're about to go out on their first mission, they've had their basic indoctrination into the rebellion training give them like i think it's a great idea a couple ncpc buddies and you can even start where they're all having a celebratory drink together it's like you put it in this really good warm fuzzy place and then uh it's i know a lot of people bag on starship troopers but the in the film one of the things they do well is show you like Exactly how quickly everything goes, just, goes, to, goes shit. to shit. Yep. Right, and they're like, "All yeah, it's great. Let's, let's all go get tattoos. Gonna be bitching." <clears throat> that first drop, the drop yep. is fucking yep. hell. Yep. Right, it's the elevator ride to hell. They yep. get out, and then <clears throat> they are just getting fucked up. It's funny. Right. That, it's funny to say that because I was waiting for the <clears throat> pause. I'm like, take a tour of Star Trek Troopers. Like yep. their first mission goes absolutely sideways. Oh yeah. I, I I think it's actually a good idea to hand them. 
hand them a failure mm-hmm. early, early on. Give them a mission and set it up in such a way that they can't f- fully succeed. Make it like have them maybe rescue a POW from a you know a, a, a like a, a imperial base on some backwater planet or something. And the guy gets the guy gets killed. You or could, you could even take a a, a a clue from the from the recent Star Wars movie. Spoilers: uh, You guys are in a rebel camp, and the Empire descends like a wrath of God and wipes out everything. And you guys, you know, right? Yeah, or, or, even though left. you're in Age of Rebellion, if you <laughs> play the Empire more like the First Order, right? Because I think that's the biggest difference. Is we all think of the original trilogy and stuff. You're like, oh, ah, oh, the stormtroopers, they can't right. hit the Broad side of a sand crawler, they're hor- you know, like, yeah. Then you watch the first order, and you're like, motherfucker, those guys are badass, <laughs> right? Or, or Clone Wars, or Clone Wars, mm-hmm. right? If you think more along those lines and give the Empire the teeth that it has, right, right, and they, and if the first thing they do is they go into there, I think in their minds, depending on what they grew up with, they might be thinking of that as well, right? Like, oh yeah, it's the the kind of the clowns and the white armor thing. They get chewed up the first time they get through and like barely escape with their asses. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You if know. you have if you set up something where oh you need to go in here and get this thing or get this person or something like that, and have the defenses be so good that they're literally dragging their comrades away so that they can all survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll that'll um, set that tone nice. And and if you want to just shock them into submission, um, <clears throat> something goes well for them. And their NPC buddy is celebrating because this thing went really awesome. Wipe him right in that moment. Because that's how you do it in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the th- nice thing about about the um, Star Wars games, it's really hard to kill a character. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to kill a character in the first shot. No. So, so, you, but, so you can actually, you don't have to reserve that for an NPC. You can have, oh, you get shot in the chest with a heavy repeating blaster and it does an incredible amount of damage and you're out mm-hmm. you're not in danger of dying but you're out for, down for the count and all of a sudden and you know there's all kinds of healing in the star wars mm-hmm. games so it's yeah. not like you're not going to be able to get back up but you're not going to get up right away right and the way that the what is that stuff called ba- the bacta stuff bacta works stuff, is yeah. it is it the bacta that yeah yeah it, it's less effective is that the one i'm thinking of there's yes. one of them that's less effective the more you use it until you stop using it for a while. I believe you is are correct. To, or is it stems? No, it would be stems. You're Maybe right. Stems, stems are less effective until you stop using them. Back to, but back to only does so much right. unless you get put in a tank and you're right. basically... You're soaking you just in don't, it. don't give them that. Right. Right. I mean, you know, that's the kind of thing that'd be expensive. Sure. Exactly. Right. You know, another thing you can do as well is, and if they're... If they if you send them to a planet and they get there and the the fight or the mission of it is is just harder than hell and shit's going sideways and comrades are falling and they get out right as they're taking off and you know and if they are they're going to be excited like oh, woo that was awesome just have a star destroyer come in and just take out some other frigate or transport or something because that that display of massive firepower also roots them in the fact that you're on the underdog side right you know it's the it's the hardest thing for me about running the traveler campaign because the players have aligned them side have aligned themselves more of the side of the empire right 
um, and by having a Sith in the group, uh, a Sith Lord, it's I, I, I find that the challenge being I can't really just say, oh great, uh, you know, a garrison of stormtroopers shows up, or Tie Fighters come in attacking your ship, or it's like, no, we need to get to that place, mm, especially early in the game. We're there. You know, they're like, yeah, let's let's we should have a star destroyer take us. Like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's I probably guess right. Happen, yeah. I guess that would happen. Yeah, you can do you that. <laughs> so I think that's that's a you know being able to. Uh, I'm almost envious of being able to flip that and being uh-huh. able to have that omnipresent and omnipotent force that's always hanging over their heads. You know, um, or even if they get off and, and they get off the planet with the shuttle, they might call up and they're like, "Yeah, we have to get back to the transport ship," and then. It's like, or maybe a different transport ship, or <laughs> shit, you know. Ah, damn it. <laughs> Basically, if you limit their resources to the point where it's like, okay, so, you, you, so you're a great bounty hunter, but you're not shit without your armor. And and you have a blaster pistol, like right. So you're Boba Fett, yeah. but you you got you it, ain't got your bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. If you really do little more than make equipment scarce and death real, you'll get the tone you're after. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or 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 make I guess getting knocked unconscious. You like, also really, but but I like the fact that just like killing people around them, and then that way when they just get knocked out because they may not realize how difficult it is to die as yeah. a player character. And if they see their comrades in arms falling all around them, mm-hmm. they're not going to really think about the game mechanic as much. Well, right. it, it will change their play style. I mean, if, if death is real and they're limited to ten blaster shots and they have no armor, you will find them trying to talk their way out of combats, mm-hmm. trying to sneak around combats, mm-hmm. trying to figure out ways to get stuff, they will it completely change the way that they, instead of just striding boldly forward into the breach, dear friends, they're going to be like, all right, how can we get into this and not get seen? Unless they're <laughs> Sicilian. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think another thing you can do with with tone and with, with that idea of not having them be the heroes is give them a... a, a Danger, it could be dangerous, but give them more of a mundane task, right? They're yeah. not starting by saving Princess Leia. Right. Right? They're like, they might be sent out in support of some other larger, more important campaign. Mm-hmm. Quite literally right? escorting a freighter. Right. Or, they're, or like, yeah, you're on the planet of Endor, but you're not with Han and those guys. Now, you're over here yeah. keeping one an of eye our, on this One outpost. of our shuttles crashed, and we want the supplies off of it. Go get those. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was another shuttle there, so we were able to get the, the get the, the pilot, but we didn't have enough cargo space for the cargo, so we need you to go pick it up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <coughs> or salvage the ship while you're there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or whatever it is, and you know, or like get the cargo off, and you've got to scuttle the ship because we don't, you know, there's uh, there's flight plans or codes on it that we don't want falling into Imperial hands. Right. So you're, you know, maybe oh, it sounds like you're doing something important, but really you're not. Right, you know, I mean, like, yeah, go get some, go get some stuff and blow a ship up. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, and and making it feel like it's, and maybe that's too important because there's imperial because there's, there's rebel codes. You know, if it's just like, yeah, we left some stuff behind and we need somebody to go get it. Somebody's got to do or, that shit. Or maybe right. you tell them, you know, go get this stuff off this shuttle and and destroy it because it's not it's not useful to us anymore. But don't tell them that there are codes on it. 
and then you can make it make that bring that a point of interest later. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, have them find something mysterious. On right, the or all of a sudden there's a bounty hunter there who's making their lives on un- you know unpleasant, right. or, yeah. or or you know a small squad of stormtroopers. See, right, I would totally mm-hmm. just steal it from Star Wars One. You know, they're basically the, their little bl- blockade runner, or they're escorting something. The ships get blown up. They get either taken in and they either get on an escape pod and land, now they're stuck with minimal resources, or they, it's a jailbreak sequence right. where they actually have to get out. Either way, they're stuck with minimal stuff and they have to use their wits. There's so many ways you could solve this, but you you do need... And, and part of the thing is giving you advice to your question or to your problem. You know your problem. You know you're a Monty Hall GM. You know you like to give them shit. So, like, with the first locker they open up does not have six sets of gleaming new armor. No. Right. The first locker they open up sets off an alarm. Has a rat. I mean, or anything. But you know that. Just stick to your guns and make it hard for them. Yeah. A spray can of Bacta. <laughs> <laughs> a Band-Aid. Right. Bacta teen. Right. Now, I... I, I know if I was going to run a gritty game, I don't know if I'd run it in any of the not fantasy. Deadly enough. I yeah, I don't know. Traveler's if I really pretty see, gritty. See, like the traveler That's game the, feels gritty, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it does. Everybody's like, uh, people could. If you want to, if you want to feel like you're not, you're not the badasses of the galaxy. Yeah. complain our game. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> even though you guys are pretty, and Jib and I, and I'm sorry, I dropped out of that email conversation. We should talk about it if there's if it's still on your deadline about Epic. Yeah, no, no, about Epic Games, but. But like, when is something like epic level or anything? Like, I feel this our Star Wars game in Traveler is an epic level game because of just what some of the characters have been and everything and gone right. through. And we have a Sith Lord and a former Stormtrooper officer and a right, you know, a Vice Admiral and all kinds of crazy shit. As a listener, I would say it's a very it's an it's definitely an epic l- story. Yeah, but it's it, but it's interesting because everyone still falls prey to the strengths or weaknesses of their characters right which is important um and so did and, beowulf and, yes. yeah right and it and, and it is and it is it is a very it can be a very deadly system and that's the way you only have two dice running as your modifiers so that you have a very small um yeah if they if you if you really want to use the mm. ffg system which i'm a fan of i like it a lot I might do something like add an extra difficulty die to everything. That's interesting. <laughs> um, or maybe start out upgrading the first difficulty die to a challenge die. Yeah, yeah, something, something that to would, make that that would just make it harder. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other thing I might do is I might get me might make it easier for them to actually get a case of dead. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it depends on because we haven't <clears throat> we haven't had anything near that yet. Oh no! In our one no. session, yeah, we have. Um, oh no, you're in the sorry. in the edge of the empire. So I don't know how how that does or doesn't it, work. It, it you have to get a critical injury, and you have to, if I recall correctly, the number is pretty high because you roll percentile dice when you get a critical injury. It's in the eighties. No, as I recall. death. No, death is like hundred and forty. It's beyond. 100. Oh no, eighty something else. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, it's beyond a hundred. Wow. Okay. So what it happens is when you, when you get it. No, well, what, every time you get a critical injury, mm-hmm. you mark down you have a critical injury. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that adds ten to the next time you have to roll on that table. So you have to get like three or four of them. I don't remember exactly what it is. It's like hundred and twenty or hundred and forty. It's, it's it's hard. There. Well, it seems like, or you could change the crit number, right? Because when it says yeah. crit three, that means you have to have 
three three advantages. advantages. Yeah, right. So you could change the crit numbers to make crits happen more. Sure, I right, guess, right. Absolutely. There's ways to tweak the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, if you if you just want to do that, and there, I like the system. Mm-hmm. I like fun. the underlying system fun. a lot. I like the die mechanic. Um, and I do. Th- I think you could tweak it and make it more deadly. Yeah. Without too much trouble, I think. Bump, yeah. Doing things with the difficulty dice, um, and, and or maybe coming up with your own critical injury table, mm-hmm. something like that might work. It. Or maybe you roll three. You maybe you roll. Uh, oh, how, how would you do that? How do you there roll? There might a be a chapter. I may have to look that up. I, I might be a chapter on making. Things, maybe it might be. It. I don't know. Mm, I'm not sure. I do not know. I haven't read all three books cover to cover. I have right. no idea what's in a lot. Because gritty, I think. Are we in agreement? Gritty usually implies dead. Yeah, or, or at least the uh, the, the likelihood of dead. fear yes. of it. Yes, yes, yeah. Because heroics grit- usually the opposite, right? Yeah, like, I wade in and woohoo! Right. Gritty. Yeah, there's ten thousand orcs. So okay, I think gritty can also do with sort of the tone of the characters as well. Yeah, yes, and, and I, I think. Now I haven't put a whole lot of thought into an Age of Empire or Age of Rebellion game, but I, it's it'd be very easy to run a very gritty game tone wise mechanics aside mm-hmm. in Edge of Empire because most of the character classes are criminals anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas the classes that you're going to have in a- Age of Garage Door. Oh, Heather's oh, yeah, getting your stuff. Scared um, the hell out of me. I'm like, I didn't even know that opened. Yeah. It's just getting <laughs> merchandise. Oh my for god, Yuma. the wall moved. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know the shrooms had kicked in yet. <laughs> the Iodi but buttons. I, but I, another thing, but, I think as I know where you're going, is that you could use for inspiration because about that tone, right? How do you mm-hmm. make like Edge of em- Edge of the Empire, you can be like, yeah, it's they're criminals and they're, you know, underworld and that kind of thing. If you think about Age of Rebellion, like Go and watch like all the really hard, gritty World War Two, Vietnam, like you know, war films. Mm-hmm. And then, how do you bring that into the Star Wars universe? Like those kinds of missions, or how those they act with each other, or what? Yeah. Or even how people react to them. Pacific. Or if you want to stay in canon, watch go through clone wars right because there's a lot of there's a lot of episodes of clone wars there's in a couple of them there's that one that the dark planet that has no star Mm. and has the guys that they're the the guys they're fighting have like this weird technology they have like all this ray shielded stuff right yeah yeah these giant centipedes mechanical centipedes that they that's a very gritty story, and that's mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, and it, you know, and it's uh, about this is the toughest battle of the of the war we've got, and we've got a a general who is I won't spoil it, but a general who's kind of a dick. Yeah, and but he's like, no, you you're gonna. This is what we have to do. You're gonna do it, and I mean, it gives you that that they really did a good job in that series. Whenever they're dealing with a story that deals with the clones mm-hmm. and doesn't deal with a Jedi, yeah, you really get to see grittiness mm-hmm. in that series. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it beyond the mechanics and the getting people dead and and the scarceness of equipment. I think something that Bill touched on is the descriptions of things mm-hmm. and how you describe things. The word choices that you make when you are describing things is really important to establishing that gritty context. 
grit can be used a couple different ways. It means true grit, which was you know strength and stuff. It also means dirt and uh, a bit of grit and stuff. I, I'm I'm thinking of the way Star Wars has always been sort of gritty to me in a dirty sort of way. Everything's used, everything's beat up, everything's old, everything's almost salvaged in a way. Almost everything they have is sort of custom made. There's very little that's brand new, except the Empire stuff. Right, because they're new. Their stuff is all pretty. And I think if you keep with the fact that everybody's finding old, beat up stuff that's barely working, you're going to make you're going to you're going to get that mm. tone that you want. I think so too. Um, and even in World War II, like uh, if you read uh, comic books like uh, Haunted Tank and stuff, these guys are driving around this tank that's barely running. They're constantly looking for replacement parts. They're you know it breaks down every time, and they're like, "Well, I guess we'll get out, salvage some stuff, and see what's going on." And something happens while they're there. That kind of thing is lends to grittiness. You know, it, it's you got to keep it simple, and you got to keep them down on down to earth, down to grit. A movie that might help you get a real feel for for doing things gritty is called Fury. Yeah, it's a Brad Pitt film. Yeah, I yes, I didn't like that film, but yes, I didn't like it, but yes, but yeah, they're constantly trying to figure out. How to keep that f and tank moving, and that, that's not, and a, how to just survive the next. Yeah, that was ten not minutes. Uncommon. Yeah, something like that will keep them. And, and just yeah, that's that's the best kind of game because everybody now has to think. They have to plan. Right. They have to uh, utilize the resources better. They have to come up with tactics like, all right, we'll wait till nightfall and we'll flank them. Anything. Uh, it, it, you'll find that your players and everybody are going to have more fun and to be a much more interesting game for everybody involved when you keep it simple and make it harder. Now, here's going to be the hard part for for the, the writer of the email. It's going to run contrary to your instincts. Yep. Because... Your instincts are to run a heroic kind of game because that's what you you gravitate to, and we all have the ga- kind of game that we gravitate towards running. Um, you know, for myself, I tend to run a more heroic kind of game as well. Um, but it's going to run contra to your instincts, so you just have to have to just like force yourself into that mindset yep. every 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 minute. And and I guess the big the big thing. To, to think about in that way for yourself is to know that at some point you're going to be able to pay them off in the way that uh, you have said you like to pay them off. Right. But but when they if you make them earn it and get there, and then when it happens, it will mean a lot more than if uh, at the end of the first session when they're like, okay, I made this character and someday I'm just hoping I could get the... And then at the end of the first session, you're like, oh, here's all your stuff. And you're like, uh... Because you've, you've right. ruined their character arc as mm-hmm. well. Right. So you're well, actually... compressed it to a tiny little line. Yes. <clears throat> <laughs> so we kind of mastered Gritty. What if, what if just let's hypothetically speaking, how would you run a game that has like a, a fearful tension all the way through it? What what do you got? What would you guys do? I, Stu did a really great job of this Cthulhu game by immediately having the kids eat eyeballs and things. But how do you maintain that level of fear? Now, maybe fear isn't a great example because that's hard to maintain because people get nervous and laugh. Well, and make jokes. mystery. We, we should we should read the next email. Ah, look at that. GMing horror and rules for fear. Oh, so first of all, thank you for the email, uh, Jake. Welcome back. Thank yep. you, Jake. Thank yeah, you. and welcome yeah, welcome back to the listenership. We've missed you. There's been a hole in our heart. There, since there you has been, here. been a hole in my colon while you were gone. <laughs> GMing horror and rules for fear from 
Joghans. I think it's Johans. Joghans. Hey, all ye happy jacksores. That's a new one. Jacksores. Our, our listeners are very creative. I usually, you know, we always hear douchebags, but we've been getting a lot of creative oh, openings. Someone else suggested, obviously, he, he has his mind set on playing uh, Age, Age of Rebellion, Rebellion, which is fine. But someone else in the in the forum suggested Stars Without Number as a gritty-ish. Stars Without Numbers. Uh, One, two, I've never three. played it. Science fiction. I'm well. I, I've heard of it, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, me too. I'm not man enough to it's play easy that. Easy to system. learn as. It's by Cine Nominee Publishing. I don't know who they are. They're a. Monk organization. Aren't they? <laughs> oh, it, it, it came out. It came out through Mongoose. <clears throat> you know what that means? It's probably good. It's probably European. Then, but we decided that Mongoose does it picks up scoops up. Well, Mark Miller isn't anyway. No, but GD. I think GDW was right. I think they were uh, Scoopy, but. That might be something to look at. That I'm. This is intriguing me. Oh, it's a free PDF. Download. Click. You now Click own it. Sore. We love Clicking. Freedom. All right, you you read those rules while I read the this email. Okay, and then we'll do a live play. Uh, <laughs> all happy Jacksors. My name is Joghans. Oh, American English pronunciation is fine. My name is Joghans. <laughs> and I am another one of your plentiful Swedish fan base. What the hell is up with Scandinavia and us? That's so. Don't odd. they have pretty girls there? Well, yes. <laughs> oh, they have yes, hella they pretty do. girls there. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I am not familiar with any of your other regular Swedish listeners. After having listened to you for over a year, I have finally caught up on your immense backlog. <laughs> I am actually going to listen to it again, so I will try to keep an ear open. To nice sound bites. Going back for seconds. They have long, dark winters. You know what? Here's what needs to happen the next time Kimmy sneezes. You need to not talk about it. Because you step on her sneezes, because I got sent a sneeze, and you hear it go, pew! But you're talking, you're like, she goes, oh, Kimmy, you're sneezing, it's so... (laughs) Did I do that? Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's like nine seasons ago. Someone sent me, season this, episode this, at this time, Kimmy sneezes. I says, but he, the guy even told me, he says, you're probably not going to be able to get a, get, a, get, a, get a good ISO of it. And I went and I listened to it, I'm like, damn. You really can't just cut me and go, pew. Uh. No, you're like right on it. Wow. You're like right on it. Wow. So next time Kimmy sneezes, everyone just. So you can ISO it. So I can get a good ISO of it. <laughs> because you know what I want that to be? I want that to be like my blaster sound. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Choo choo, a choo choo, a little choo. like a little like laser train. Laser train is my new band. Anyway, I have been working on my own tabletop system for horror gaming, which has made me contemplate various solutions for handling fear in the game. This is something that I find surprisingly problematic. Ideally, you'd want something that encourages the players to role-play fear and that has consequences for the characters, yet that preserves player agency. This brings me to my question. Sorry, questions. I know you have both played and led horrific games. What? What? Yeah. As, as in horror. Horrorific games. Sorry. No, I've, I've, I've run some horrific games. <laughs> so so you guys read an email for, about that last week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what have been your favorite ways for handling in-game fear? Do you even bother to do it? 
What would you suggest a GM or a system designer should avoid when bringing horror to the table? Thanks so much for what you do. After having listened to you for all this time, the casts are like old friends. Keep chill and keep on douching. Keep on douching. Dude, we need a song. Keep, keep on, on douching on. The surfer song. That's a, no, that sounds like a, uh, a Grateful USA. Dead song. It sounds like a Mass and Go commercial. Keep on douching. <laughs> keep on douching on. Can you imagine the video? <laughs> oh, keep man. chill and keep on and douching you can, on. You put that guy, what's his name? The, the most interesting man in the world? No, no, the, the douche When bag. I douche. The douchebag. I don't, I don't always douche, douche, but when I do, it's Mass and Gill. <laughs> Who's the what's the guy? The, Sc- Scalzi? What's the guy's name? The 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 farm pharma bro. The, the guy that bought the medication and jacked <laughs> oh, the price of oh, that. Did right. you see the interview with him? Guys, I right? don't think the guy's sane. No, no, no. but no. rich. Not for, for long. long. Maybe. The government got a hold of him. Yep. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be someone's special friend <laughs> in the big house. Uh, regards, Jorn Joggans from Sweden. Jorn um, Joghands from Sweden. For me, I like for fear to happen organically in the game, but that's hard. And you're always going to have some players for whom uh, they're like, yeah, no, I I I I ignore the fear and I just you know drive on through. Yeah, they're just, they're gonna. Um, you, I think you need to. I think party selection is an important part of having a good. Oh yeah, horror game. Mm-hmm. You have to have people who are going to be willing to say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're playing a horror game, so we know it's going to be a horror game. We're all going to buy into a certain tone." Right. Okay. No one's going to make the Rambo guy. No one's going to make the dual wielding scimitar. Ninja or mm-hmm. what, whatever else, everyone's going to sit down and uh, agree. This is the kind of game we're going to run. I think that helps a lot because right. if the players are go into it knowing that, and they're they're saying, "Okay, I I'm going to allow myself to be frightened by what happens here," and then you can come up with scary stuff. And I don't think it's that hard to come up with scary, disturbing things. No. But I think once you've done that. As long as they have buy-in on it, and you've already sat down and said, this is what we're going to do, they will. It, it gives them permission to go ahead and feel scared. And and I, mean, I haven't run a lot of horror games, but I've run a couple. Yeah. And that seems to be the most important thing, is is to make sure everyone knows. It's like, you're going to have the guy who's going to play the lisping vampire. Okay, <laughs> we can't play the lisping vampire in this game, because this is going to be a very serious thing. See what I'm saying? Well, so. you you just okay. gotta let them know. You also have to know that. Okay, here's the thing about fear: people don't <coughs> want to be afraid, and when people are genuinely afraid, they they get scared and then they joke, mm-hmm. they avoid, they whatever, and that's going to happen. Yeah. But what you need to do is keep the tension simmering. I mean, you ever watch a horror movie? They they slowly simmer up the tension, and then they frighten you, and they frighten you. The cat jumps out at you and the chains yeah, rattle but, and then something truly frightening happens but they also back it off and they do because you know that you can't maintain fear right. for two and a half hours so it's like yeah and then you've got the comedy interspersed and, and, in and you have to because they need that release right and I mean Scooby-Doo for all its faults and forever what it is does that kind of well they have comedy they have tension they have an interesting storyline and they slowly build it up it, it's, it seems sophomoric but to do it and to do it right is hard 
but you, you have what you have to do is know that your players are going to mess around because they're feeling nervous. Know that your players are going to goof off. Know that your players are going to crack a bunch of jokes. But don't let that throw you. Let them crack their jokes. Let that happen. Let that happen. And keep the keep the tension on. Just keep it and, and simmer that pot, and then bring it back up again to a boil, and then right. scare them again. Let them joke some more. Let it let it go down, and then simmer it back up. But what you need to do is keep that tension and keep that ominous atmosphere going. You cannot maintain fear for the whole game. Right. You have to, but you do have to keep it uncomfortable. And, and you can throw them. Yes, you can. When they're having that comedic moment, and they're all being all like, "Ha, huh, oh, yeah, that's funny." That's when you hit them. And, and you as the GM can set the tone. While they're all laughing and everything, you can sit there and don't play into it. You just sit there and wait and wait. And wait. Are you guys done? All right. So this child takes his mother's eyeballs and they're like, what the... F-? You know, so don't let up. You, it's kind of hard as a GM, but you have to keep keep that tone or keep that fog of tension rolling. And, uh, yeah. I think... It'll, you'll be rewarded for it at yeah. the end. I think mystery is an important part of anything that you're going to try to to scare them with. Is because if they can identify something, that takes away the a fear element of it. If they don't actually know what it is, mm-hmm. that's going to enhance that fear element. You know, it's not a a wolf. It's a large shaggy shape with glowing green eyes that they can't really the thing identify. You don't see. The reason Joss was so frightening is that you never see you, the shark. You don't see it. You see shadows. You, uh, That's the, why Psycho is so scary. The reason Alien was so scary is that you never actually saw the alien until the end of the movie. It right. just You would catch glimpses and people were like being pulled through stuff and they would just disappear. Or you'd find their remains. Uh, that kind of stuff is what you need to do to, to make you know, to yep. get that simmer, get that tension going. But you cannot... You cannot maintain fear for that long. No. So um, there's, I think there's a couple, a couple parts. There's, there's the, how do you, how do you DM it? Well, right? yeah. And then there's also where he's asking like if he's making a system and the mechanics side, right? So for right. me in the the DMing part, there's one. There was a game that uh, Stu and I ran back in college, where we uh, we ran it in GURPS, I think, but everybody wrote themselves up. Mm-hmm. And we basically said, like, yeah, coming over to the house, we're going to start playing at, like, 7 or something, 7 or 8. And uh, when everybody showed up, Stu and I were upstairs in Stu's room. We'd drawn a pentagram on the floor, and we were both next to it. And they came in, and they're like, were you oh, guys clothed? people are knocking. Whatever. And people were, <laughs> people were knocking, and, they, and then so eventually they let themselves in, and they're like, hey, are you guys, what are they? And they come upstairs and find us right and and we're sitting there and we're not moving and we're not making any noise like we're in a trance or something and they're like hey hey are you guys what what and they're like what the hell's going on and then she's like oh, okay so you guys walk in they're like oh, oh my god because we 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 let them build their own tension getting the game that's really cool and then the whole yeah. idea was that they were playing themselves Right, so they had a personal stake in it already. They weren't superhuman, highly combat trained investigators. They're just kind of more normal Joes and Janes. Um, and the idea was that Stu and I had opened up a portal and gone to this mirror universe, and we had done all kinds of prop stuff around the house, like recorded things backwards and left it in the tape player, written stuff in reverse on mirrors that they could fog up. So we'd like turned our our apartment Dude, we into this like kind of a LARP type setting, right? But the whole thing was that 
that I think translates from the DMing part was uh, it was a little bit what we talked about, and some of this goes to mechanics as well for your system. Don't let don't let the system allow them to be amazing. Like the more normal they are, right? You know, and maybe they're investigators, or maybe they can use a pistol or something, but. You know, that's the rule in Cthulhu. Yeah. You pull a gun, you, you've lost. Right. Like, you don't ever want to get to the point where you're using a weapon. Nobody's you're a just hero fucked Cthulhu. at that yeah, point. Yeah, you're, you're boned. Then. Yeah, you're boned. Um, and, and, the, and the use of subtle props can be really good if you're mm-hmm. GMing, if it's something they find and the players can sit there and look at it and try to wonder what the hell it is and it's got something in it and they're like, what the fuck is this? And it's disturbing. Um, sounds are also really good. We also found out in that in that game I was talking about, um, Stu had everybody upstairs, and I came downstairs, and I flipped our circuit breaker. So all the lights went off, and one of the guys playing with us lost his shit. Because we didn't know it, but he actually had a, a phobia about darkness and like, as a person. And he starts like, what the fuck? Why are the lights off? What the-? And then... And, and immediately, everybody's feeding, tension right, right. goes up and feeds off that. Right. So, as a GM, if you... This is kind of devious, but if you know there's a trigger that someone at your table has... Right. And and you've kind of made the agreement beforehand, like, hey, I'm going to be running a horror thing. It's I'm going to do some stuff that's scary. I might trip over something and, you know... Well, like like when you if you the thing and you lift it up and there's a spider under it and it's to, Bruce and Bruce literally shits himself because it's a spider because he hates spiders. <laughs> you, you're you're gonna get you're gonna that's a way to actually evoke an emotion from a player at your table. Well, to to backtrack and maybe put it in, in, a, in, a, in a, to reframe that you can use your environment that your players are in to help build that tension. Yeah. I'm not saying you need to do the entire game in the dark. I'm not saying you need to put them in a concrete bunker and put them on uncomfortable chairs. But but, but you can. But yeah. you can. That, that's best for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but you can put them on this chair, this couch, yeah. The uncomfortable but, uh, on the couch. But you can certainly set the stage and make the atmosphere much more uncomfortable. Maybe turn the AC on and leave it on. Maybe uh, you, know, you don't serve snacks that day. Maybe the GM, you know, they show up, and like you said, they have to go, well, where is everybody? What's going on? The GM's just sitting there waiting. And everybody shows up into sort of a very dimly writ room, and they all sit down, and, and the GM doesn't say anything until everybody shows up and says, all right, we're going to start the game. And just all that that kind of stuff that... External stuff in the in the gaming room can add to that tension. Yeah, from a from a mechanical standpoint, I would suggest trust your players and use the mechanics to give them cues, but not determine what they do. Let them determine what they do, but give them cues and trust them. You know, if you've set the stage, as Stu was saying. And everybody's agreed to buy into this kind of game. When they get that cue, they should act on it. They should take that cue. They may not, but you know, if you've got good players, they will. And, and, they'll, and they'll run with it. And I can't help you if somebody decides to make Indiana Jones in a Cthulhu game. I really don't know what to do. Um, I just re- this is I've been having to go back and forth because my kids are here now. Um, when you talk about hand- ways to handle. Fear in game? Is he talking about mechanically? We were, we were talking about both. We were talking okay. about DMing, and now we switched over to I, mechanics. When I, when I read game. this, when I was putting the emails together, uh, the my favorite fear mechanic in any game is L five R. 
Really? Yes. Because the fear mechanic imposes a metagame decision on the player. You, you want to fa- sum it up? You fail a fear roll. You take a mechanical disadvantage to everything you try to do. Mm-hmm. The more you fail it by, the more horrific thing that is you saw, the worse that mechanical disadvantage is. And if it suddenly starts to become a huge penalty, you as a player look at your character, look at your chances of succeeding on any role, and you say, i got to get out of here. Oh, it suddenly becomes Traveler. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Suddenly, that. suddenly you, 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 it forces the player to make the decision to save the character's life because the character, because of the fear, is becoming less and less and less effective. Mm-hmm. And it's, at some point, you, ha- you just have to realize, there's no way I'm going to win this. I just got to get out. I, I think that's a really good mechanic because if you think about it, fear does not is not what actually governs a person's actions when they're in the grip of fear. Fear inspires an action out of the sense of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's inhibiting your ability to do things that you would normally do. That's a very good distinction. Um, if uh, Another great... There's a, a game called Darkest Dungeon, um, which you can get on Steam. Um, and uh, it's a really cool indie game. Um, and basically, it's very Cthulhu-ish, and you inherit this mansion, and you basically kind of recruit these adventurers to delve the depths of this mansion and everything around you. And it's not about winning, it's about doing as best you can with the adversity, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. Is, which is a completely different way of thinking about it. And the mechanic that they use um, around fear is that as you go through and you're attacked or take damage or traps go off or things happen, your stress level goes up. Mm-hmm. And the closer you get to your maximum stress, you start triggering these, um, like, the, they're not bottle tests, like whatever they call them, but they're uh, you basically you, you're kind of like t- making this test of will to see how you react to this thing that's kind of pushed you over a certain stress point. Um, and you might have some you might actually get some resolve out of it and like no no i'm i gotta i gotta go through and you get like a a mechanical bonus that gets added to your character like an aspect or or you'll be like oh you're a wield delver so you get now you're gonna get plus 10 percent loot when you're in the wield which is an area right or a bad thing will happen like you get paranoia or you get fear of undead or whatever it Mm -hmm. is and 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 they all have mechanic slight mechanical effects and the more you play, and I've got some characters that are, like, they're a whopping fourth level, right, in this thing, because you're kind of a rotating through, is when they get too too emotionally scarred, if you will, then you have the other mechanics, you take them and you can put them uh, in the sanitarium, or you put them in the church or the tavern and places, and it can lower their stress, or you, they can have some of their negative aspects removed you like through game mechanics. Is this a video game? Yeah, it is. Oh, all right. But the thing I liked about it is that there is an ebb and flow even while you're playing. So something will happen and it's like this trap goes off and one of the members of your party is poisoned and everybody's stress goes up. And you see all the numbers like that. But then one guy gets a critical hit and boom and he gets three resolve. So it's like this constant 
ebb and flow of stress and resolve. Mm-hmm. So you're like your fear, but then something good happens, and you're heroic, or or you find like a, the doorway out, and you're like, okay, oh, okay. So it's that kind of so you might legitimately actually at some point just leave the dungeon because you guys are too stressed out. Right. They're like, fuck that. We gotta go to the tavern right. to drink. Yeah. Or they or they just start becoming more le- less and less effective, mm-hmm. right, until you then take the now, time to do something. So the thing from that mechanic standpoint that I like to your question of as you're writing things up to represent that is that you you get to a point where you're like, God, I don't think I can do I can't take that person back into the dungeon or keep them there until I until I take time to try to heal the thing that's the, wrong. The thing that's wrong with them, right? right? These after effects <clears throat> of the fear. That plus the ebb and flow. This kind of like plus minus meter on how how they're able to do things based on how afraid <coughs> they are or how much stress they have. I thought those were both really clever game mechanics that got used. Doesn't Call of Cthulhu basically with their sanity clause? Doesn't that have the that kind of no, thing? sanity clause is one of the arch villains. Yeah, there is no sanity clause. <laughs> if oh there was, my. he'd use napkins, though. <laughs> what? No, but I mean, with seriously though, when Call of Cthulhu, as as you lose sanity, don't you get like you, know, you can make and, rolls and you yeah, start getting exactly. minuses and yeah, afflictions yeah, yeah. and crazy shit. Yeah, there, yeah. There's, there's, there's like no a whole way table of stuff you can back. get. No way back, right? right. You can't actually regain sanity. You can't go to the tavern, right? It's been so long since I played it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't nope. remember. You just end up in the sanitarium. Yeah, yeah. right. Just, Basically, yeah. Call of Cthulhu is how long do you last until you <coughs> until you're either no, dead or you can't. There is a way to gain sanity back. But it's it's kind of the stuff you would do in the down uh, downtime between sessions. I guess that's kind of what yeah. he's saying. So you have to go to the tavern and drink heavily, and you're like, "All right, I feel better now. I'm going to go back to that sanitarium." Right? Because what could possibly go wrong now? Yeah. But I think there's something interesting over the course of a game. Um, like like one of the things I I really liked in Edge of the Empire um, is the is the the destiny chips. Or the dark yeah, side, the, light side. Right. Des- yeah, destiny points. Right, destiny cool. points. Where there's going to be an ebb and flow, depending on what the group decides to do, but then we're empowering the GM, but if the GM uses it, now the power's back in the hands of the right. party. So there's, it seems like there's, there's could be something really interesting there in terms of, of fear and relaxation, uh-huh. or, you know, where it's like, as the, as the players get bolder and bolder, Maybe then they get something they can spend. Like, okay, we're going to do this really heroic thing, mm-hmm. and we're going to enter the the Black Temple, and they boop, 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 and they spend all this stuff. And like, all right, you've gone through, and you're the other thing. But now the GM's got like all these horror points he gets to spend, right, or something. So you, yeah, that, I like it. There's some interesting ebb and flow, I think, because that's how. Like Stork, when you're talking about in movies, you get that it's really tense and then it relaxes mm-hmm. off and it gets tense again. And you right. know, a, a way to represent that mechanically as well mm-hmm. is great. And the last thing before I forget it, um, and Jib, something you said reminded me of this, or, or when you guys were talking about um, at the gaming table, not only being quiet when they show up, but when the party takes those moments, like Jib was saying, and they're gonna they're gonna talk and they're gonna joke, right? And they're gonna say stuff. If you're jamming, don't participate. No. Right, right. Don't don't be like, oh yeah, and I remember that. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, just like let them joke and blow out their steam, and then you pause a second and just resume. It's it, it you mean it's hard. You as a GM has to act a little bit more. I mean, what you guys you were talking about this 
thing where you guys had set up the whole house ahead mm-hmm. of time. And I'm sure that once the game started, you guys weren't all chummy with them. You guys were all very conspiratorial. No. Mm-hmm. And, and I would almost if you were if you're going to do that as a GM and just stop and not say anything and literally not react with to the players um, until they're sitting down, sitting down, you know, have had their kibitzing and they're done. Immediately starting character. Mm-hmm. I mean, p- place them immediately in a scene. Let them kind of, as players, kind of figure out what that scene is. Like maybe they're cops interrogating someone who just witnessed something horrific, or something like that. And and be that character. Let them figure out what the circumstances are as things go on. Right. And, ju- and just, and, and if you could limit yourself as a GM, so that the uh, the descriptive stuff you're doing is done in a very minimalistic way, and you spend as much time in the NPCs that they're around. Yeah, I think that would that would probably because the whole the whole thi- the whole idea is to try to get people out of their comfort zone and get them get them off balance. Mm-hmm. And that's clear, something that's going to do. Be clear, that. You don't want to be adversarial. No. You don't want to hate your players. But what no. you're trying to do is make them uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and you're trying to keep them off balance. So, so if, if they ask questions, answer them. Right. And you can still be friendly. But if you're not taking but, part in the right. revelry, right? Well, you need beer. Yeah. If you're not taking part fantastic. in the revelry, by the way, grapefruit sculpin. Yeah, they are fantastic. Um, I like that them. will unnerve your players. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's and that's kind of the thing. Now, here's what I was thinking. I I could see that for one or two. F, you know, I'm not sure if you can maintain that. No, all the way. Maintaining through. a horror feel over a number of sessions yeah. is really hard. I'm not sure it's even really possible. Um, I've had the best success with like dribbling it in. You know, where we're having <laughs> a, having a regular game, and just one session, I'm going to set out to scare the crap out of them, and the next one, I'm you know, we'll just mm-hmm. go go on with the way things normally are. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's that's when they went to summer camp. And you know, and and that's okay. Maybe you've already set the tone with the first one, and now they know what to expect, and they know how to play their characters, and they know, and you don't necessarily have to be quite as dramatic. But yeah, I never ran a Ravenloft campaign per yeah, se, I, I but I would it. weave Ravenloft into the regular campaign. And there are players from that campaign that, to this day, if I was running a game and they woke up and it was foggy, it would wig them out. Stu, we walked on you. The, Go ahead. The when I read through, I've never run a. Call of Cthulhu campaign, uh, but when I read through Master Lathtep, and that's like a year long game. It's probably it's genius. I'd probably props. It would take probably twenty five to forty Pops. sessions. To it goes get across through. continents. It's awesome. It's, it, it, it hops. The, it goes. It goes Global. from the, like the United States to Africa yeah. to England to London, and it's then awesome. it, 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 yeah, you it spans got, the globe. You got literally, boxes and all kinds of it's stuff. So cool, but. Looking through like the different locations, some of them they just find important clues. They're at a library in London, and you know maybe a university or something, and they're going and they're talking with people. Nothing scary is going to happen during those times. It's all build up. It's mm-hmm. finding little bits and pieces of stuff to figure out where to go next. You, and when the horrific things happen, that's when you, I think you would pull out the guns. That's when you'd have that the session where maybe you know the black tablecloth is over the thing and maybe the candles are lit when the players arrive and you don't talk to them and then when that session happens, you give them that and, and let them know. Oh, here we go. 
I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a note from both you and Bill, who have recently been doing this. Which is oh my god, thank God, 21 years in the band. At, oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna take a note. No, not from you, but from Sue. But is, and then that's to end a session on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, I, you I guys like have doing done that. that recently a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys are both in like, oh, and that missile streak towards a car. I think it's a good place. To That's end a good it. place to right. end. Oh, yeah, and it, it allows you guys. It allows you guys to come back that next time with the black tablecloth and everything ready to go. And your players are really like, what the fuck happened? I think that that, that again, that's part of the game. Well, of maintaining that fear and intention. And interesting to that is if it's a regardless of how long you think you have set aside to play, because I, I stopped our last session a little early, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? We, we didn't go the full time, but it got to a point where it was like, yeah, that we 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 have to stop here. Yep. Like for the story, this is the spot to stop. And right. Stu did it with because oh, yeah. everybody's really fucking uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and that's exactly the right where I want thing, them. Mm-hmm. right? And to get to whatever the next step is past that, it's like, could we do it? Yeah, we could do it. We spend another hour and probably get to the next thing. But it's better, and I think in the horror thing where that helps you is if you get them to a point where you know they open it up and it's like, and you look into the room and there's you know the face the faces of fifty children fa- turning towards you. All of them without eyes in their sockets. Right. All right, so that's where we're going to leave it. They're like, oh, what the fuck? Until the next time you play, that's all they're going to be thinking about. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're going to build their own horror into whatever that was when they showed up. Oh, yeah. In in the vampire game that that Gene and I are playing in, uh, we come up to the end of a session, and um, my character goes to what amounts to a midnight mass. And... Um, I confront my sire, who, mm-hmm. and she does this magical thing, and then says, "You know, if you lie, you know, terrible things are going to happen." And I'm like, "Okay, fine." You know, I guess I'm not going to lie. And uh, so she accuses me of this thing. I said, "No, it's not true. Nothing. Yeah, you know, we go on our way." And she says, "And this other thing." And I said, no, it's not true. And beetles erupt from my mouth. And I went, what the fuck? And the GM goes, and we're going to stop there. And I was like, but, but, but. And you, and, and I think, and, and you're hooked. You're like, oh, wait, when is the next session? Yes. It's like, right? so we're playing tomorrow, right? Right. And I think that's a, that's a great thing also, especially, well, in any campaign. Right is if you can if you as the GM choose that moment and you pick it right, right the part of that goal is to be like oh my god when are we playing again yeah like right. I can't wait to find what happens next right mm-hmm. but it also keeps attention up too they're like mm-hmm. we are in an unwinnable situation and we just stopped oh my god <laughs> now it also does give the players a chance to regroup and think about it like okay how Absolutely. the hell are we, can we get out of that mm-hmm. missile strike how the hell can we get out of the you know but it also they're dwelling on it. They're thinking about it, and then it gives you as a GM Now, the next time they show up, everything's dark. There's a black cloth over the minis, and they're like, "Uh, okay." And now you could you have a chance to ramp that tension up and start again with a whole new. It's ending on a cliffhanger is, is it seems obvious, it seems easy. It's but it, it is a it's, it's a tricky to do. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, hard. it's a humdinger to do it. Yeah, I encourage everyone. Angry GM's miniature minutia from Keith. Thanks. Who was that from? Thanks, Jorn Jogharns. Thanks, Jorn Jaggins. 
Jorgang. Uh, the Agrigium's Jor- miniature Jor- minutia. Jorgang Jaggins. From Keith. <laughs> Wasn't he Frodo's cousin? <laughs> yes. He's Norwegian. This is Norwegian cousin. The Northern Hobbits. <laughs> the Jorgang Northern Jaggins. Hobbits. Little ice Hobbits. <laughs> Ice hobbits. <laughs> oh my god! They still don't wear shoes. Uh, that's, that's the that's like the fantasy sequel to Ice Pirates. Is Ice hobbits. <laughs> it's space herpes. <laughs> I know I'm just agreeing with you, douchebags, and I'm not trying to tell you what you already know and preach. Just would like to provide something. After watching the descent into madness that encompassed episode 1608, <laughs> the last episode with Angry yeah, GM, yeah, I thought it was very cogent. I have some start. possible proof of the concept that miniatures can limit a player's imagination. The campaign that I have been DMing, actually, Jim, I'm glad you're here because you always have very, you have a very well thought out argument for this. The campaign that I have been DMing for the past year is played only on Roll20 website and is comprised of a group of five mature adult friends. Two were new to the game, and all of us are new to Roll20. Okay, mature is an older, mature is a mature. Mature is adult. Pornographic. So, I'm assuming... Like for mature audiences. Okay. I'm okay. (laughs) All right. I was going to assume, like, you know, add, you know, because he used adult as well. I assume Keith is playing with five strippers. All right. Yeah. Good job, Keith. Uh, isn't there isn't, there's a podcast about that? In the beginning of the campaign, I found myself taking advantage of the various digital minis and flooding the mats with furniture and monsters, and the players began to look at the furniture for information just as much as they did looking at monsters. I understand. I'm so burping all the way through this. What is this? What I'm drinking? Spear. Grapefruit Sculpin? Yeah. It's good, huh? What's a Sculpin? Uh, It's an IPA. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, You're welcome. I understand this phenomenon. A Sculpin is that thing that sticks in your head and hurts when somebody hits you with their hat. (laughs) It's a Sculpin. (laughs) Oh! It's it's the thing that happens when somebody hits you with a hat for comedy and you ruin the show. Uh, yeah, that that's an inside joke. We had a guy that used to be in the band yeah. who was kind of a little girl. No offense to little girls. <laughs> and Yeah, it's, it's offensive to little girls across and, the nation. And you smacked him in the head. I did the Gilligan your, thing, right. right? The skipper hits, always hit him with that. And and we at fair, we keep pins in our hats. I, I want to explain this because it's an yeah, inside joke. Yeah, I get it. And... And one of the pins, like the little corner of it, cut his little head and made a little cut. He had a little tiny bit of blood. Did, and, was there actually blood or and did he, it just And hurt? he waited, though. And he looked around to see if anybody on the stage saw that he'd got hit. And when he noticed somebody <laughs> did, he was like... <laughs> and we're so he was on a stage. Yes, on stage. In yes. front of... An audience of tens. tens. <laughs> yeah. It was... No, um, actually it was hundreds back then. That yeah. was... Uh, that was when our numbers were insane. Right. Our numbers are still good. They're good. They're solid. They were insane. Yes. Um, uh, I have watched the Before crowds the at the Reef, mm-hmm. and people fill the place up when you guys play, mm-hmm. and when the wives play, and then leave. Yeah. That's sometimes. only That's only because they're like, I can't fucking believe that just happened. <laughs> no. I mean, it's in disgust. <clears throat> the the only other band that has, draw, has real draw... Is Oddwood. 
And, yeah, and but they get like hot, sexy girls with tattoos. So who the fuck right. cares? Yeah. See, so, so what Stu's really saying is, back in then, we had hot, sexy girls, and and then the hat incident happened, and they all were they all went away. Yeah, because we were that band back then. We were. Yeah, yeah. we were. We, well, we were. We, we were, were never Odd that when Oddwood was two. That's right. <laughs> when they were like Muppet Babies versus right. Oddwood. Right. It's true. <laughs> Which think about for a minute how good that show would be. Oh yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. Like Oddwood. They've already babies. got toy piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Oddwood babies would be great. <laughs> Let's not give them Oddwood any more babies, awesome ideas. They're already never mind. Sorry. They're already like, Oddwood awesome. babies. <laughs> Uh, I understand this phenomena. I'm, I'm back to the email now. Okay, good. I understand this phenomena could possibly be exacerbated by the Roll20 environment relying on a computer screen. <laughs> exacerbated. Oh, too. sorry. Or, well, yeah, exact, not... Yeah. When I decided to try to make the game less of a direct visual representation and more of a theater of the mind, maps hybrid, I found myself... <laughs> haven't been kicked over tables or throwing hot wax candles in people's faces nearly as much. Never would my players think that there was a difference between represented and non-represented entities, though. The only thing I found is that with the lack of minis or drawings, you are relying on flavoring the room with long dialogue and hoping your players have the imagination to populate the room themselves. Some players don't have the patience to listen to a DM describe the contents of the room, and some players just are not imagined enough to do it themselves. In the end, I think we all realize that there is a difference between the physical represented plane, one that attracts attention, and the imagination plane, one that requires effort. It is an extremely subconscious topic. Subconscious topic? Yeah. That I that I don't think any DM needs to worry about because I have never found that it has affected the game negatively. Drinks and cheers to Keith. I'm not sure what he's... So he's saying he disagrees with us and agrees with Angry Jim, but it doesn't matter. Uh, well, disagreeing <laughs> with Angry doesn't matter. Um, he agrees with Angry Jim and disagrees with us, but it doesn't matter. I had a, moment, I had a moment at a con game, and Bill was there. And Bill had the moment for me that it crystallized for me when I... When I uh, you and Bill had a moment? We had a moment. I had a lot of moments. We were... Uh, we're, we're, was, we're, I, was I in front? Or behind in this moment, and you'll notice I go right to my like very, very white, white voice. voice. <laughs> you were a dog at the time. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Bow wow. Something <laughs> to wow and bow. I had, I had set up the bone. I had set up this situation with with a bunch of uh, dogs in a vineyard, and Bill said, "We just can we have some terrain?" And I looked at him and went, "Yes." Yes, you can. And I whipped out some sort of map and we put it together. And what Bill basically was saying was, I just need to know, I need to see kind of where right. we're at, where they're at, what's going on, and what we have to work with. And it, and, and it wasn't like, I don't need a highly detailed map of where I have everything that I can utilize. It's, can we just get a little bit of terrain and, and, and kind of, and, and it's a legitimate point. And, and it does help. Because now all of a sudden everybody is looking at the map. Everybody's looking, and even if it's just a quick outline, everybody's now all right. We're here. They're here. This is what's there. Okay, cool. Got it. Here right. are my options. I think that when we have a map with hexes or squares and minis on it and stuff, it is my experience, and this is not universal, but is just my experience that the mindset of the player goes from being, 
I am role-playing my character. Right. To now I am playing a tactical game where it's like, okay, I can move this far. And, and that's the point I was, I said. Right. You have and, and, and then I can do this thing, and if I do that, and then they're all over there. and Okay. Instead, but I personally tend to lean towards theater of the mind more than maps. However, I always have a map on the table. Yep. I always have a battle mat out on the table, and I, I have maps with stuff, and I'll put them out. But I don't put minis on them. It's, it, but it's in that moment when the player looks at me and goes, what am I seeing? And yeah. I go, here, this. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you um, this, because it's the follow-up to that, is that. I set up that situation. Do you remember it? Mm-hmm. Right? You were playing Dog Boy. I was playing Dog Boy. The dog boy yeah. and, and did the role-playing really stop? Because No, it didn't. Uh, and I mean, but I think the, I think the, the reason was I, I knew... <laughs> I knew what... I was going to do as that character. Right. Mm-hmm. But I needed to see where everything was to then do it correctly. And I think that's As really opposed to saying, show me where everything is. Mm, now, what is my, what am I now tactically what am I going to do? Right. right. Now, the, I will say, I like maps for when I think a conflict is going to occur. I And so in the Star Wars game... I show a lot of images, and here's pictures, and here's this, and here's where you are, and here's the ships look like, whole thing. And I show the players a lot of stuff and describe things, but the battle mat only comes into play when there's usually a battle. Right. And then I do care about, to a degree, where the terrain is. I don't get... Sometimes I've gotten very picky you about where stuff is and drawn whole interiors and because I'm caring about sight lines and things. And other times it's just like, okay, it's kind of here's the rough area and here's what you do. But I think that's in that's indicative of of the system. I've also played combats where it's like, oh, yeah, you're close enough. Yes, you do that. No, you're you're not far enough, right? Because I think it does go to tactics. But I also think I'm a more tactical combat oriented. DM than most, and, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's totally a, a an awesome way to play, and I don't even think there's anything wrong with saying we have minis, we have an exact representation mm-hmm. of the room, and then I'm going to switch into tactical mode, and I'm going to be tactical in this fight. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just, I it is a mindset change that mm-hmm. I have observed in players when we have a battle mat and there are minis on the table. It's just something I've, I'm no, not I, making I, a I value judgment about it. I could see that. It's just a thing that I've I think, seen. I think it's interesting, though, because I, I think that um, that also comes down to the players and their characters. It does. Right? Because I don't think that changes, for example, in the Star Wars game, what any of the players do with their characters. Mm-hmm. Right? What it does let them do... Um, I believe is act in the way that their characters would act, taking into account the physical space of the situation they're in. Right. So, for example, when I drew the big temple out when they were fighting Darth Anon, the first thing Trig does is look for something to jump behind. He's like, "Where's that? I want to jump behind this. Like that's where I'm hiding." Right. Right. What's the? Where's the place I can be but, the farthest but, from the guy? But that wasn't a tactical. That was that was what Trig is going to by do. My character, who is a right. coward and had no combat skills. Right. But, right. And well, then it, but it, then it plays into the tactics. It does of the I, situation. Right. I also think that speaks to the quality of your players. I would agree with that. 
I agree um, with that. Because I, I, I agree with you that when... I know when I'm playing, right, My I flip over to a different part of my of my gaming brain when minis are out and there's the battle mat and hex grids and everything on my call. Okay, well, how far am I? Where can I get to? Where can I find cover? Or whatever What's it is. my range? Right, right so we're like, I, I switch into that mode, but I think that's how... And again, maybe part of this depends on the genre you're in, but if you're in a... If you're, in a military setting, you could be walking down a road and like, hey, blah, 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 blah. And as soon as the shit starts, boy, you are hyper aware of what's around you. Right. And where you're going to go because you're, you're, switching, you're switching your mode to, to For- combat mode as opposed to hanging out, adventuring, talking, walking yeah. mode. Right. I also think that it matters how descriptive and evocative of what's going on in the combat, even if you're representing it with minis, mm-hmm. how evocative you are with those descriptions really matters. And it occurs to me, as we're sitting here, that the game system you're playing influences this as well. Mm-hmm. Because if the I combat you're running is a long, drawn-out, round after round after round after round of attrition combat that influences people to walk up and slug it out. If combat is a faster thing, like you get in GURPS or Savage Worlds... Or death is uh, is one hit away, yeah, like right. GURPS or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. I, I think, and then if you're descriptive about what the, the bad guys are doing and what's going on around them, I think it's going to influence the players to be more descriptive as well and maintain more of that role-playing... It's a ba- it's a balance. It, you don't want to descend into 4E territory where all of a sudden role playing stops and a mini game breaks out. Right. It, there is a balance you have to maintain and as you say, if you have quality players, they're going to role play despite the fact that there's miniatures on the table. Right. And unfortunately that's not always the case. Oftentimes right. miniatures come out and all role playing stops and it becomes a mini game. As a GM, I think you need to try to balance that. You need to try to you need to keep that Role playing going, you need to keep that in mind because tactics do come into into play. And in order to do tactics properly, you need to have things to hide behind. You need to have distances and range. You right. Need to know you need to know that stuff. So there needs to be a minis and stuff on the table. So it is a balancing act, and it is a juggling act, and it's it's it can be hard. I, I think to to tag onto that, one of the things that you have to be able to put into uh, when the when the minis come out and you're you're doing those tactics and things is just like you do when you're doing the theater of the mind role playing is what are the motivations of the NPCs what are they trying to accomplish right and that should always be clear in what they're doing whether it's how they're reacting when they're being questioned by somebody in the group how they're trying to make their master plan come together or how they and their minions act when you're on minis level on a battle map moving them around right because it might be like hey these guys are hired henchmen fuck that that mm-hmm. guy the guy next to me just got his head just <clears throat> exploded from a sniper rifle fuck it i'm out yeah right right and then make them do that mm-hmm. right it's just not the mindless hordes maximum move comes up you know well, well, the move goes towards better spread the damage around so nobody feels like they're getting picked up like fuck that right <laughs> if it's like if it, and i know and this is probably a whole other right 
podcast on tactics, and there's people in the forums yeah, talking I think it about is. it, yeah. right? Because I'm I get very focused on that stuff, and it's like I have certain characters like in the last combat without giving any spoilers away. In the last combat we had in, in Star Wars Traveler, I knew exactly what all the NPCs wanted to have happen, mm-hmm. like what their goal was in a combat, and did some people did very aggressive stuff and other people were like yeah fuck that i'm laying face down yeah. sure please don't shoot me i have no problem <laughs> also that works for players as well mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. if trig of miniatures come out and trig all of a sudden becomes a tactical genius all right how far away am i i'm gonna move this way no no you as a gm go i don't think trig has any military training at all. Why is he suddenly leaving cover and hiding behind here and uh, suddenly sniping the most powerful character? Your character has no combat skills. You need to remember this. You are a coward at heart. The the you need to as a GM maybe sometimes remind your players that even though minis are out there, you don't become a tactical fucking you're not Patton all of a sudden. You don't get to see everything and make the right decision based based on the map. You need to still play I your agree. character. And I think to and strongly to Jib's point, as the GM, I think it's incumbent on you as well um, to be describing the action that's happening, even though maybe you can see it represented in hexes and miniatures, but describing what's happening. Yeah. Right. As well, so it's like the guy gets hit, he goes to a knee, like you know, as opposed to saying like, uh, "Yes, well, you've done seventy-one percent of his uh, hit points, and he's at a negative." Like, I don't want to tell you any of the numbers. I want you to have an idea, like, wow, I just fucked that guy up pretty good. And it's like, oh, yeah, you feel like you just fucked that guy pretty good. I in, can say in that. In fact, in your last Traveler game, I'm like, so does he look hurt? You were like, oh, well, he drops to his he, knees, he, and there's his fur is smoking, and he doesn't look very healthy. And I'm like, okay, so it doesn't tell me he's dead. He's still alive. All right. right and, but and I'm now pretty now sure I just fucked him up. But you didn't tell me how far down he was, which is awesome, because right. now I'm still role-playing. I'm still in the game. I'm still thinking about it. And I'm like, all right, do I take another shot at him, or is he incapacitated enough? I don't know. Right. And, and I think it's up I to the... I had that in my head. I think it's up... Because it's the same thing, to be honest, I think players should strive to do. It's like in the Eldemy game, right, mm-hmm. with Orthrand, like, He's a war chief. Fuck that. He gets hurt all the time. Right. Right? And it's and to me, in my mind, it was incumbent upon the healer to notice whether I was about to drop or not. Yeah. Not on me to go, hey, hey, I'm down to seven hit points. Oh, hey, you heal me. me with the hat. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, fuck that. My job is to go in there and cleave. Right. Your job, bard, is to, to look and say, like, oh, huh, he's got six arrows in him. Maybe he needs a healing spell. Right. Maybe I should help with that. Maybe I should help with that, right? Yeah. Because, but again, but you could have a character who they get one scratch, we come back and go like, oh, huh, ha, 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 you hit me with a hat? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right? So that's how your character reacts to combat situations. At the same time, you know, yes, that bard might go, Oh, he's got six arrows in him. Somebody should do something about that. Not me, but somebody should sure. do something about that. Sure. <laughs> Again, but uh, that, that's incumbent on you playing the character that you right. have. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't I wait agree. to see what happens when I somebody think, needs healing in the edge of the empire. I think yeah. it's important as a GM sometimes to call people on that. They'd like to remember <laughs> remember your character's a coward. You have it right here as a disad. That's, that's or a great re- thing about remember it. Remember, you have no fighting skills. Oh, yeah, you really yeah. want to do that? That's okay. a, a great thing about the, uh, the, the fate point mechanic in fate is that, oh, uh, you're a coward, right? <laughs> 
You yeah. want this? Well, you don't want <laughs> right. to be gloaty about it, but it's nice to... I, yeah, that's probably mm-hmm. one of the problems with fate. It's like, oh, coward. I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay, well, but... It's, and it's well, tough, no, it's, it's, right? It is you know, nice you maintain, to You maintain tone, but you it's do. like... Um, your character's a coward, isn't he? Didn't you, did you not... Have you not you, played... Isn't that your trouble aspect? Why is Trig all of a sudden become Patton? How come... What yeah. happened to the... Oh, yeah, okay, right. you're well, right. I mean, and, yeah. It, and it depends, because you can still... As I recall, Trig did kill a Jedi. So it's yeah. not like he was wholly ineffective, but it was also... I picked the gun up. I pull the trigger and run. Yeah. I close my eyes and close pull the trigger. Close my eyes, pull the trigger, and run. <laughs> yep. like, okay. Yep. yep. Oh, you right. have, you rolled well. So is he, that? But that is that not that character, right? And, no, and I think I maintain that all the way through that, even when Minnie's right on the game. And it's not it's not how what an amazing player I am, but it's about maintaining oh, that through yeah. line of your character, whether there's Minnie's on the table or not. I think the you thing still is, have to be honest the way your character would att- would approach that combat. Don't let the Minnie's keep you down. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Like, they're yeah. tools. They're That's tools. It. They're to tools. Be able to, exactly. yep, to tell the story. And usually the combaty part yeah, of the story. Right. And I like minis. I I'm a fan. I yeah, love painting paint, them and having them lovely minis. And and they're wonderful. But I I have to love minis because my wife bought me like seven thousand of them, you have which we them. could use if you want. I, I back that Kickstarter. Them I still have okay. a box yeah. of them unpainted because it's scary. Somebody gave you some some samurai minis when you guys yeah. were playing L five R and I, you didn't use them. No, we did. Oh, you did. Yeah, we did. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Uh, right. Someone in the in the Q and A, the Q and A is up. Uh, wants to know about the video resolution. The reason the video re- resolution is so low is because I've got four USB cameras plugged into an ancient Mac. Yeah, and if I keep it higher than two eighty DPI or whatever it is, I don't even know what they call it. And even though even though you have a a very I'm dots not going to tell you, very you that's not dots per inch. That's printing. What it, what the fuck is it's, it called? It's your it's your resolution. It's your screen's res right. size resolutions and your fresh rates. But yeah, you keep it really low because you're there's four cameras right. going in and uh, and it, it will slow down and the the lag will be even worse than it is now. Will be bad. Yeah. You know what? Next you need to, we need to get is there's a there's a new system that's coming out which has. Three cameras, the box, and all the editing software oh, on really? it. It's just a like it's a self-contained like video casting system, like a TriCaster. Yeah, like a TriCast of, okay. type thing. Yeah, that's cool. Pretty cheap. We could put it up. Oh, on, it is uh, okay because yeah, a couple tri- hundred bucks. Okay, yeah, TriCasters. But you know, put that up on the and, and on then the, on Amazon the wish list. Wish yeah. list. Okay. And you are still limited by the bandwidth you have as well. I have. Uh, I did a speed test dot net. Uh, when I was setting up, and I have uh, almost five up. Doesn't suck. Considering I have 25 or 30 down back here going through a power line network. Yeah. Wow. That's not too, yeah, yeah. It's, so I, you can bag on our quality happy. all you want. It's amazing we're actually getting to you <laughs> It's lucky we're all. on the air. Yeah. <laughs> the hamsters are running as fast as they yes, can. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Poor, poor little hamsters. Uh, All right, we ready for the it, next email? Is this you or me? This is me. Okay, go. Mapping tool from Juberberry. Hey, Jackaroos. Just a quick note. Listening to Season 16, Episode 2, and you guys are talking about mapping and maps. I'm like Stork, in that I'll spend hours... Never mind. You have a big on a nose? Map, <laughs> 
and rolls a lot of ones. No, no. I'll spend hours on a map for an encounter that will last a couple of hours if you let me. I have a problem. I admit it. I love maps. Oh, I love maps, too. Maps are wonderful. Um, When I was getting ready to run um, my Sanctuary game at the con a while back, I went out on eBay and I bought the box set of Sanctuary just to get the maps. Hmm. Because that's what I wanted. I wanted the maps. I bought all of the FFG Star Wars beginners sets. So because so you could get the maps. maps. Oh yeah, I did the same thing. Yep. I had oh, to, yeah. and, and, and the tokens and the counters and the tokens. Yeah, yeah remind me. I got to give you all those Star Wars maps. I have. I have a okay. fuck ton of Star Wars digital maps. Oh, cool. mm, okay. Sweet. Love maps. Yeah, I've I've been collecting thousands of pictures off the internet. Of I know all I know. Star I Wars have, stuff. I have, what I need is uh, I need the next thing is we need a big plotter printer. Yeah. I'm You're going to get one, huh? I'm not going to get a plug. I'll, I'll get back on the mic. Okay, All right. <laughs> okay back to the email. Uh, this is not an efficient use of prep time. Recently, I started trying to find another solution. I tried Roll20, but without a large screen TV visible to everyone, it was a bit of a pain. And Roll20 does not run well on lower-end devices, so people were having issues with their tablets. Then I remembered a Kickstarter I backed called 3D Virtual Tabletop, and it does exactly what I need. It has all the basic features you need, a map for saving, fog of war, and tokens. And the developer is always adding new features. The app is free, but you can only have a single player. My players can either pay 99 cents a month to join games, or we can just pass a single tablet around... The table that doesn't have to have the horsepower of my Surface Pro 3 like Roll20 does. It's pretty good with keeping things synced up, and we have had minimal problems. Hmm. I run the app in an Android emulator called BlueStacks that allows me to run the app on any Windows system so I can have the app and my campaign OneNote open in the same screen. Yeah, OneNote! Drink the Kool-Aid. That, I was going to say. Drink I, the Kool-Aid. Stain, you guys have got Kool-Aid stains all over. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> so What's weird. wrong with you? It's like Stepford Wives. Anyway, not so short, but I hope it's useful. All the best. Juberberry on the forums. I love Juberberries. Mm. You know, one thing we the were... Juberberries taste like Juberberries. Snorseberries taste like Snorseberries. Stu's got a, uh, a projector now that he's yep. got set up in the... I got to f- yeah. figure out a better way to set the thing up. But there's there's also that option of you can buy uh, a projector that you can hook up to your laptop that projects straight down onto the table. Right. Yeah. Well, I can do I can it. do that but with you that. You can shadows. also get a, a large screen TV with an HDMI input. Right. Because you can get them pretty. Cheap. You can get them fairly cheap. And yeah. Use now. that Very as cheap. your table. And um, well, they're they're hot. Um. Fun. Well, if yeah. you take the if you take the mm-hmm. the the shrouding off of it. <gasps> And mount it. You can mount it in the table. Yeah. Um, you can like just. Be- how, how spill resistant are they? Um, ah, <laughs> I, I have the answer for this. You mount it in the table, so it's it's. Sorry, just, spoilers from the first Star Wars game. <laughs> how would anybody <laughs> spill in a game? Okay, I would be shocked if you had a game where there was not spill. Right. It's just you know. All I know I've been is in your games. I was the one. Player that made it through Elden Ring without knocking over some drink, some glass of wine, some glass of wine, and you were one of two players who made it through the first Star Wars game without knocking over <laughs> a glass of wine. No, there was only, there was there were only two players that did it the first night in El, in uh, 
EOTG. EOTG. No, well, she didn't spill the no, whole you thing. you and she Dave. Spilled... No, Chris. Did Chris not oh, yeah. over? Yeah, the piece of paper she spilled it on is sitting there. Not the oh, whole glass, God. or okay. there was a little bit left. But yeah, there were three of us that did it. Anyway, yeah. I, see, I would, anyway I, but I'm with Jim. I would like make a, a, get a door or a big piece of wood or something, cut it up, put a plexiglass mm-hmm. over it, and mount the TV underneath so there's like an inch or something on... Yeah. And, and then you have all of that. It, it's got to be. It's got to be close because you're going to be using it. Yeah, close right. enough. You, you put miniatures on it. Okay. So if I there's can, a gap, you can't have. I can that. draw that this easier than I can explain it. You mount the TV so that the screen itself is is call it one eighth of an inch lower than the surface of the table. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you route. Around the edge of the hole, yeah, I get that. So you can drop a piece of plexiglass, plexiglass or, or Lexan or whatever, so that it is flush with the top of the TV, okay. and and you oh, seal around it. Right. And now you've got a, a flush surface, and you've got spill resistance, and you know. And I would but you have to be a little crafty to do that. I prefer that to the upset because you have no shadows to deal with. You don't have to turn the lights off to seal everything. And with the projector, there's always focus issues. I don't know if you remember school, but they were always no. like, you know, twitching no. and, I'm old. and things blurred. If you had just have the television on the bottom, Do you know that this right room there. is 200 years old? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> school was that thing I slept through. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Look at you now. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna school. try to set up that projector so it's I, I got to clear the space behind it, but I'm gonna so it projects on the wall behind me, so I can say Ooh. here's the that's, here's the dude or that's here's a the, good use. I like dude. that. I don't. I would not like it dude. for maps. I, don't, I would not like. I wouldn't it for, use it for maps. I wouldn't. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's an HD projector, but yeah. even when it, even when it's set perfectly like the focus is exactly yeah. right it's still not sharp you get keystoning no. yeah. you know where things are slightly still yeah. that's hot yeah <laughs> yeah right. um, also it's i have found that for whatever reason our tables are incredibly crowded yes with like i have the largest table on the planet i know it's still not, full, a, it's not yeah right like, no you don't beer bottles no you don't not as big as mine. Oh, it's not. That's as oh, big as okay. Yours. All right, table Emmy. All right, guys, wow. put out your tables right now. Let's see them. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's great. You found a solution that is killer. That is awesome. Absolutely reasonable. Ninety nine cents a month. That's yeah. yeah. I actually like that. Have, I've never heard of this. Now I'll have to look into it. And actually, OneNote is badass. OneNote rocks. You guys are all. I use it for everything now. Yep. Does it clean the house? On every device. Does it make Julian fries? Yes, it does. It does. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's <laughs> a plug-in. That's right. And then so, last update. So, Stu, you were you left the room and you said there was something you wanted to say when you came back. You were talking about... Was it the projector? Oh, God. No, no. I was saying yeah, you should right. get... I was I was saying you should get a plotter printer, and you were saying oh, a plotter. I'm, yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to get a plotter printer, but I'm going to get a, a, a wide-format printer. Mm-hmm. Because I, I found one on Amazon that's reasonable. I can go, I think, eleven by seventeen. That's what it's going to do. That's what it's going to do. It's a HP. I think it's a LaserJet. Mm-hmm. They make aftermarket ink cartridges for it, so you don't have to yep. pay a thousand dollars when you need that's to replace key. the ink. There is a. F- I'm going to put it, it was a f- under two hundred bucks. I'm going to put it a fitty fitty chance that I'm going to install and start to figure out my 3D printer. There you go. This weekend cuz I got the cube for Christmas. The oh, did you? Oh, nice. And it's awesome because on the two or three biggest websites that have the 3D files you can download and there was one that got posted on our forums uh, on happyjacks.org/forums. Slash forum. 
um, of basically here's a bunch of 3D files you can pull down that's like every monster in the fucking monster manual for right. D&D, right? Yep. So they have a Star Wars stuff for all those or anything else. that's awesome. So I can custom yeah. print minis. Oh, that'd be awesome. And stuff like that. So uh, Let me just say, cool. if you'd like to email the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. You can go on the tweeters and find us at uh, that's at Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. Uh, we're on the Facebooks. Uh, HappyJacks.org slash Facebook, I think, takes you there. We're on the Google Pluses, but no one ever goes there. That's HappyJacks.org slash G Plus, I think. I think there's one guy. There's there's one. one and I'm really off. waiting for somebody to actually take all of our photos and digitize them and put them up there so they can actually 3D print us. How awesome would that be? I want to just us? be able to 3D print a liver. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're going to need a spare, it. Just a, a spare. Just, a, just to have it on the side. You know, we used to have the, the our the, fan club. The liver, the liver donors. donors. Liver yeah. donors, yeah. Uh, we may still have them. They just don't know it. Yeah. No. We're going to show up like in Monty Python with knives. All right. Need you living now. Uh, gaming styles and exposure from Dan in Seattle. This is it, right? Last email. This is it. Yeah. Last one. Last one. Hey, douche fuckers. That's dirty. That is gross. But again, I've a never new done one. that. I haven't fucked a douche no, before. No, it's clean. No. Yeah, it is. The douche fucker. It's not like colostomy bag fuckers. Come on. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is good. This is that's clean. just gross. Trigger warning. You haven't been in prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will you no, get I can't say that I've ever. Will been you get in herpes, herpes from a colostomy bag? Yeah, that that name you little. I'm still in. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen every human centipede. <laughs> Come You've on. You've got nothing to get. Yeah. About. No, there's no colostomy bags on that shit. No, they, their mouths are so... Never mind. You asked me, okay, how should the kids be before they see two girls, one cup? Come on, fuck you. You are wrong. Don't double standard us. I'm still in the processing of, process of working through your steamy backlog. Mm. Uh, but season eight, episode one, left me with a need to write in... Before I finish, take okay, you and your commas. <laughs> I said, you don't like commas. You can't just put them in like that. <laughs> Left me with a need to write in before I finish. Thanks, Left me with all. a need to write to, in. To write in. And <laughs> I don't want to be an actor. I want to be an alligator. All right. Background. I've been playing RPGs since 2002. Although, wait, this, wait, sorry. This is the second email we had tonight. I was like, background. Like, somebody's elected to let us know. Background. Dun, dun, dun. I need a button that I can press that will route to a reverb. So I can go, background, ground, ground, ground. Just do that. Yeah. You should, you should, if only we knew somebody that had, could come up with that. Hmm. I could. I did, they, oh. Suck that yeah, foamy so, head. Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> How's that colostomy bag thing doing? <laughs> Uh, you just need a you just need a cup or something. Here, yeah. what's the, give me the top of that thing. Here, hand that to me. Look, and he willingly does it, knowing full well that no good can come from this. <laughs> Background. Mm. If it's metal, it's better. It's we too go. slappy. Background. That's a, a little bit. It's more like a slap reverb. Obi Wan was wise to hide it from me. See, if it's metal, it's better. And he could just you could I'll talk like that the rest of the time. That sounds great. It Hello does. there. It's, it's very strange. Hello, it's old time radio. <laughs> yeah. <that's it>. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to all ships at sea. <laughs> um. 
You know, next call it Cthulhu. That's what you guys are doing the entire time. I thought about putting, making like a bunch of like newsreel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Things and just putting them up for people to use for for games. Yeah. Or maybe doing custom ones for people. That'd be kind of that'd be, oh, that'd be cool. fun. Yeah. We should do a custom radio broadcast. Like, something for that we could like auction off. Oh, that'd be if good. If you'd like, you know, if you're running like a 1920s Call of Cthulhu game and you want. Sure. God forbid you should make any money on this, too. Right. I mean, God forbid that you should actually, like, try to, like, recoup any of the losses you have. No, right. Let's not do that. No. Background. I've been playing RPG Background. since 2002. Although it's been limited to D&D Pathfinder almost exclusively, I skipped 4.0, partly due to scheduling, partly due to the dislike of the changes made from 3.5. Ah, but you should have th- tried 4.27. That was a winner. Oh, yeah. I play home games when I can. Or 420. That would have been good, 420. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but I... <laughs> you like my shirt? It's hemp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hemp is, is better than steel. It's stronger. Uh, <laughs> I like to play 420, but I always forget to do it. That's, that's my favorite thing about the hemp people. It's like, the hemp is like... Yeah, hemp hemp is is stronger than tungsten steel. It's stronger than like spider silk, man. <laughs> Do you realize you could make a car of hemp and then run it on hemp? <laughs> Do you know you could make like a whole space station out of hemp and then you can make a hemp spider line to climb up to it. You wouldn't need any engines at all. Yeah. The engine block for my VW is made out of hemp. hemp. <laughs> <laughs> but it runs on diesel. You're fucked. Biodiesel. Which is made from hemp. Yeah. <laughs> it's made from hemp. <laughs> and if you get lost in the desert like Rommel did, <clears throat> fuck it, you just smoke your engine block, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it's my job, every show, to make sure it's like Harvey Corman and Tim Conway's to bust Stu up. <laughs> I cannot oh believe we are trapped out here in the desert. Somebody light up the engine lines. <laughs> Hot box. The tanks. <sighs> now how are we going to get out of the desert? I'm panzerrecked. <laughs> the, the, the next, the next iPhone. The next iPhone 6 is going to have a hemp-colored one. Dude, they're going to make it out of hemp. Fuck yeah, that. Of course. In, including the chips. That's right. <clears throat> I play home games when I can... But I have been heavily involved in the RPGA, now Adventures League, in 5e. For most of the time in the game... How did we even get to hemp? I don't remember. Uh, I know it's you... It's Stork's fault. Mm-hmm. I know you sure. like to disparage yeah, organized play. No! We don't like to disparage organized play. Our listeners do, and we just read it. And in fact, I, at the con coming up next weekend, Saturday morning, 9 a.m., I am playing in Pathfinder Society. Right on. So there will be a host with actual organized play experience. I've done it. I've played. Art, I've played. Yeah, Pathfinder Society. I I am guilty of not understanding the allure of it, and have and have probably said disparaging things like I don't get it. Why would you? But I don't think I've said I I I. Everybody vow off it. It's it's the devil. No, I've no. never said don't do it. I, I made a character, a first level character. I have my card. I I I, I don't know if what else I'm supposed to do. I think, I think I'm right. I'll show up. I'll say, here's my character. Here's my card. Um, I made him using the have, online. You'll have, ga- you'll have game objectives that you'll get from your venture captain. Oh, and yeah, you'll sure. have 
faction objectives that you'll get from your... And any power gamers will look at my sheet and be very upset. And, and, and if you start role-playing during this, are they going to be like, you're, you're slowing the no, game no, down. No, no, my stats are fine, but I didn't spend all my money, so I'm not maxed out on gear, hmm. and I bought shit that I just thought my character should have. <laughs> okay. A pack of chewing gum. Well, um, he, he's got, like, cards. Of course. Because, you know, he likes to fiddle with cards. And he's he's really into tattoos. Did you make a bard? And so no, I made a swashbuckler. Okay. Uh, and and so he's got uh, he's took artisan, I think it is, or it is tattoo tattoos a two ta- a tattoo artist, and he has a tattoo kit, and he has inks. And by the way, those are fucking expensive. Yes. Oh, ink is if expensive. you buy them, but it costs <clears throat> far less to get a tattoo. So I have to imagine that eight ounce vial I can do something like fifty tattoos with. If I'm breaking down the right. cost. Um, and that and then like I. Paid for a tattoo. <laughs> so I'm sure people, uh, from what I understand, that many of those people are very, uh, or uh, they're very driven to get to the objectives, as opposed to what's the interesting role playing you're going to do. But I'm going to play like I play. And we'll the see last time I played Pathfinder Society, I was playing a rogue, mm-hmm. and c- fight breaks out. I immediately go stealthy because I'm a rogue. Mm-hmm. And for two rounds while they're fighting, the GM would look at me and go, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sneaking around the fight so I can get behind the bad guy. And the other players looked at me like, when are you going to attack? I'm like, when I get into position. And they they, they didn't understand so I'm looking forward to it. You're gonna be the, the you're gonna be the gaming horror story on like Dower Bob's podcast. <laughs> and this guy came in and he, <laughs> and he oh, wouldn't fucking he shut up. Role All he did was talk. He spent five minutes talking about the cards he was using. Oh my god. Oh my I so god. wanted to kill him. You know, speaking of superfluous stuff. Have you looked in Edge of Empire and see how expensive a chance cube is? Yeah, what the fuck? Right? Well, Dude. someone needs to go into business and making chance cubes. What is yeah, a, that's because you can alter somebody's destiny with one. <laughs> I mean, you know. All I, all I know is that I'm, uh, I'm, I didn't spend. I forgot. <laughs> we were making the characters for whatever reason. I stopped before I got to the last part of the gear, and I was like, "Oh yeah, there's all this other stuff." I guess I could have like a personal com, right? And stuff. And I was like, "I think only two of you own coms." Yeah, I, it's like I have money, <coughs> right? So maybe. I'll, the next time we get someplace, I can buy something. Get I'll to go like, shopping. Moe's, I need a couple things. Nothing's more Moe's fun than role playing shopping. What's it called? Ethna. Exactly. Moe's Ethna. Moe's Ethna. Moe's Ethna. It's right next to Moe's Death. At the beginning of eight. At the beginning of eight. Uh, season eight, episode one. You were talking about learning and teaching RPGs and DMing. One of the key things you mentioned was playing with a range of different DMs, especially and players. Because that's how you get exposed to different styles and tricks. Absolutely. This is the biggest thing that organized play offers. Yes, the adventures can be quite railroady, but if you have a decently sized organized play group near you, you can easily play with a lot of different players and DMs quite easily. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Up to a point. I wouldn't propose organized play as a primary or ideal way to play. No one does. <laughs> well, there are some people who do. I've yet to hear someone who say it's the best way to play. 
Oh, by the way, and the plug for someone who was on the show earlier this season, that's a lot of what the kind of meta story around Table Titans is. Oh, okay. Is All right. that, um, which is Scott Kurtz's right. Right. D&D-inspired uh, webcomic, and now you just put out the book through Kickstarter, um, is that they all participate in this organized play mm-hmm. gr- organization, uh, and they're trying to get the, and they but they get points, and it's like a, it's like a seasonal campaign they go through, which I don't know if that's true to RPGA uh, or to Pathfinder Society, and then there's a prize, so they're always like, the Winotar is what it's called, and it's like a drinking horn that's really okay. Um, but that's the thing that happens is they go, all right, we've got our characters, we, we totally maximized our party, they're like set, and then they get a new GM who's like, oh, and they're like, and they who they know him, and they're like, oh, what the fuck is that? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I, I've got the, uh, this different idea for what we're going to do, and here I made characters for you guys, and they're like, what? No, what? No, what are we have these characters. <laughs> what? No, I what? Min Max? No, and it's and it's this whole basically discussion about the fact that they have to learn to play differently, right? Because they have this different GM, right? Right. Um, I will say that for Pathfinder Society, part of the whole point is that across GMs, across players, across games, across playing experiences, the play experience remains the same. So it's McDonald's. Kind of, in a way. I mean, as at least that is one of the I don't implied say disparagingly. Goals. That's the that's the goal behind McDonald's. No matter where you are in the world, if you go to McDonald's, it should taste the same. That's it, the goal. Does it in other countries? Yeah, it does. does. Yeah, because I had KFC um, in England. Unless you get like a, a, a regional specialty thing, so but, a bowl like, of rice tastes like else. a Big Mac. <laughs> but a Big Mac tastes like a Big Mac tastes like a Big Mac. Right, pretty much. But I, I when I was in when or I was in Royale London, with this cheese. Is like that's right, twelve years ago. Uh, there was a KFC mm-hmm. near uh, Tower of London, and it was not the same as the KFC here. Right? Was at it all. better? No. Oh no. Oh well, they <laughs> boiled it because it's English. <laughs> the breading was very thick and dense. <laughs> KBC <laughs> Kentucky <laughs> boiled chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Kentish um, boiled chicken. Like what is this chicken? Kentucky? This is UK <laughs> boiled There's chicken. No <laughs> UKFC. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's it. I wouldn't propose organized play as a primary or ideal way to play, but it can serve as a great intro for new gamers and a way to see other players and DM styles. Around here, Seattle, at least. Adventures League. Adventures League has, has a presence at quite a few local cons, all of which provide pre-gen characters and introductory modules, both to the system and to the setting. Forgotten Realms. Dan in Seattle. All of that is very true. P.S. You should read this in a South African accent. P.P.S. Oh, let's see if I can remember how good it is. South Africa? It's kind of like Australian. No, it's a little different. But it's a li- I'd say kind of. Something, 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 something hoppy. Awesome. Beer is awesome. They pop like popcorn. They pop like popcorn. <laughs> PPPS. I'm not from South uh, South Africa. South Just Australia. It, South Australia. <laughs> I was born. Heave away, haul away. Uh, just wanted to hear you try an accent I haven't heard from you yet. By the way, we only have one continent left. Antarctica? Nope. We've got Antarctica. We do. I got an email. Oh I cannot God. divulge any information. But I was Somebody. I was sent a photograph to prove that was a hot? listener. It was a it was a he. Is I he think, hot? I can divulge that. Not of the person. 
Okay. But of the place. Of their balls. Uh, it's, it's of the dog that exploded in the kennel. And it's of the place. Okay. It's a picture of the place to prove that it was in Antarctica. Wow. I cannot say I any never, more than that. I, I would love to see that photo. That's awesome. All right. So uh, Atlantis, that's all that's left. Africa. Oh, okay. We don't have anyone from Africa. And he just like made me think, <laughs> but he's not. Uh P P P P S Trocon egos. My hands are busy. Ego whores. That's not us. That's no, not us. We no, don't give no, a fuck. P P P P P S accent request intentionally left at the end. Oh, you bastard! P P P P P P S because there weren't enough PSs. Thank you. And that was it. Is okay. it? Sure, I don't. It. I don't have a. I worked with I a guy. I have a problem with. with I worked, I worked with a guy from South Africa. Oh, did you? For, for quite a while, yeah. And I haven't it is, listened to one episode. And yeah. then, boom. <laughs> but he's We're, not there now. Oh. Um, but uh, it, also, uh, the new host of The Daily Show is South African. Trevor, what's his father? That's a, he has kind of a whiny voice, I've noticed. It's kind of high pitched. But it's, it's British influenced. Right. And, and uh, our former owner of the fair was from South Africa as well. Not the owner. Well, whatever. You know right. what I mean. Entertainment director. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, it's also darling. in South Africa. Darling. It's delicious. sort of... Delicious, darling. It's delicious. They love their... Uh, exp- uh, they love their explosives and, sub- uh, and, and consonants. And uh, it's kind of Australian <clears throat> with a bit more of this. Well, it's got a Dutch thing going, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't have a problem with organized play, per se. I'm going to say I don't have a problem with South Africa. I don't have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have problems with South Africans. They're fine. If there is anyone who is in Africa listening to the show, just let us know because that's the last continent. And Stu will protect your identity, obviously. I for will some protect reason. your identity. The problem with South Africa is all the prawns, right? They're all there in those, in those little. Is, are you having to be cagey because this person, like, if anybody finds out I listen to your podcasts, I'm a I, marked I be, man. I don't know. I don't know. I was just told not to share the information that was given to me. <laughs> Wow. They're in Antarctica and they've got nothing some, better to hey, do. Hey, I used to work for a defense contractor. I know how to keep secrets. I know how to keep secrets. Was it a penguin? <laughs> I can't say. I cannot <laughs> I cannot confirm the species. Wow. <laughs> wow. I just had an image of a bunch of penguins playing D&D down in, in Antarctica. <laughs> You know penguins will all be a bunch of fucking min-maxers, too. Oh, heck yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially those emperor penguins. Right. Oh you know God. they are. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. All right. Should we call it? Sure. Yeah. Wait, you're going to say you didn't have a problem oh. with organized play? Uh, I don't. I, I do want to. And I don't think we've maligned it. No, no. Plenty of people write in about it, and that's the thing. That's why I wanted to actually play in one, right? Because it's like people have bagged on it so much, or they're like, "Oh, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to go check it out. I want to see what it's about." I, I have said it's not my preferred way of playing, but you know, I, I, I plus I've, I've bagged on it because I don't understand it, but. That's just me. And, 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 and your point about the the rogue, and they're like, "When? What are you going to attack?" I I guarantee you, if I had played Trig in a an organized play, they would have strung me up. Dear Dower Bobs, <laughs> I would like to tell you about the douchebag with the long hair and the big nose, right? Who played the character and kept tra- kept talking, and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and he, he, he single handedly had the party wipe out because he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything right, and when he did roll dice, he sucked. <laughs> When he told me he, he was a thespian, right. I thought it was hot, and then I realized it didn't mean what I thought it meant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I'm afraid is, is uh, but I don't... Yeah, I well, don't look, I'm going to find out. I'm not going to intentionally 
monkey wrench. Well, more than I monkey wrench, right? Which well, is which can be considerable. Yes, but, yes, it can. But I, I'm I I play to my character, and that's what I'm sure. going to do. And oh, I man, have an idea is... of who Montgomery Ransom is, and that's <laughs> what he's going to do. Monkey Ransom, Montgomery, not monkey. Montgomery Ransom. He's a swashbuckler. Monkey Ransom follows Besmara. Is he's it ready? Montgomery or Montgomery? Montgomery. Oh, Montgomery Ransom sounds an awful lot like Monkey Ranch to me. You should watch several, watch several episodes of Black Sails before you go play this game. Swashbuckler. He puts the shh in panache. <laughs> he puts um, the uck well, in swashbuckler. Before, before we sign off, I do want to want to yes. mention oh, yeah. another podcast. There is a go. new Savage Worlds podcast coming out. Uh, first episode should come out the end of this month. It is called The Savage Cast. The Savage Cast. What's their URL? I don't know yet. Do they have one? Um, I believe they do have a domain, but it's like just getting started. They have not recorded first episode yet. Why are you pimping this? Are you on this one too? No, I am not, Um, but a friend is, and it ought to be a good show. It's going to focus on Savage World stuff. um, Tell them they need to call it the Savage Cast RPG Podcast. I will mention that to them. Because that helps... I'm recording audio to do a, a lead-in for them tomorrow. Ah. Um, Jib is like, he's he's the man now. He's like the guest spot guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the podcast. Yes. The, it's like, if you have a hole to fill, he's your... That's because I'm a podcast playing dirt <laughs> to just throw right in there. It's because I'm a podcast whore. The, the, uh... And make sure once they have it up that they mention, mention it again. Yeah. Because now there's nothing to send people right to. Right. And, I, uh, I, I realize that now. And and one thing we also have been, we have been stuttering starting, but we should be more dedicated to, I think, is periscoping for for the games or I was actually stuff. thinking, is there a way we could put it up on Twitch? Sure. We could we could Twitch. We need, to, we need to live, we need to live stream the games and then have the APs be there. Right. For people don't do that. We can do it on Twitch. We can do it on... Um, because there are people God who are playing. It. There's another one that I just I just joined today, or or itch? periscoping, or biatch. I think it's called biatch. Biatch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Twitch. we should we should Twitch. set up to 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 go live on Twitch, okay, or something. It'd be really cool because I think it's there is something about seeing the mechanics happen as well. Yes. Plus, Bruce is damn attractive, and will people will turn in and look at him. We, we have to figure out where to put the camera. Does it point down? So, so Bruce is in your Star Wars. You're yeah, actually, it's the same okay. as the, it's the elderly does, team. Does he, does he have a like a, yeah, a pants on rule if there's around any dead bodies? Because because I don't want to have to go through that ever. No, again. He did, he hasn't do, he doesn't do stuff like that well, anymore. Oh right, okay, he didn't sure. do that in the Elden game at all. Not once. Not all once. Right. All right. It's alchemy. I'll explain it after the show. All right, but he's uh, <laughs> no, he's he's he he was very excited during the first game. Yeah, he got so he was like giggling. He was so excited. Uh, he he's a very excitable fellow. He's a, he's playing Outlaw Tech. Oh, cool! And he found like a box of 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 spare parts. Uh, spare parts that Fine. he can like. Make well, stuff we landed. We landed out in the deserts of Tatooine. Spoilers. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> Good. And and we saw a ship, and he was like, "Oh, oh, 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 oh is that is it salvageable?" <laughs> he was like, "Oh God!" Because <laughs> he there's actually specifically salvage rules. Yes, and he has right. two, two, yeah, 
He's, he's totally going to be like up there on a sniper rifle, like picking off Jawas. Get away! It's mine! Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, as we have found, if you ever see Chris anywhere, just go up there and say, Oh, Timmy! Because it's worth it. Right, it is. She pretty much just like becomes an instant giggling She rat. loses her shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I've come to it already early on in the game, and I, I would love some listener feedback. I think I've come to a with my my nascent character, I think I've already come to a good place interacting with Dave. That's awesome. Character. The first with, in yeah. the first game, that's good. First, yeah, like Dave and I. I I'm trying Have to like, been fired. No, not yet. <laughs> Why would I waste blaster bolts on a droid? <laughs> I'll just tell it to get away from me. <laughs> yeah. Basically, oh, that's right. Dave, basically, it, th- and anybody who listens, this is a, more a tease than a spoiler. The first thing I say to Dave is, "Did you come with the ship?" <laughs> and, yeah, and, right. then he, and he starts talking back to me. And I'm like, oh, and I turn to Chris and I go, "Did it come with the ship?" <laughs> no, sir. I'm your because I. Oh no. <laughs> well, but it's yeah. I've just figured that I'm an ex-imperial guy, and I'm like, it's a fucking droid. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. Don't have. Why are you having a philosophical conversation with me? Go sweep the floor. Sweep the floor. I know, I know what I'm buying when we get to the, the first thing I'm buying. Control. Restraining uh, bolt. Restraining bolt. <laughs> <laughs> They're only 25. I can right. afford it. I looked it up. Because he said, it's not like, because he said, I can walk around. It's not like I have a restraining bolt. And I'm thinking, no, eh, not uh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> Fucker, We can fix that for you. <laughs> fix that right up. That's brutal. All right. Here we go. We're Thank you for joining us for Season 16, Episode 9 of Happy Jack's Arbitrary Podcast. My name is Stu. Me amo Guillermo. This is Jim. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, again, if you want to email us, email us at happychecksrpg at gmail.com. Next week's episode will not be on Friday. It will be on Saturday from Orcon 2016. Live! live. Next week? It might be on live, depending on the bandwidth. That's yeah. true. No, it won't be live. It'll be Saturday night at a con. We'll all be dead. That's but, right. But we'll be live. We will be. audience. So join us next time. I'll let you guys know if we're going to be, be able to stream it. And that's it. We'll leave with the song. We out. Master Shakespeare. Well, Captain Black. I do not know if you know it, but your words have been set to music by some fine musicians. Oh, I have heard of same. And indeed, they are not musicians. They're they're not musicians, my lord. Nay, singers. Oh, well, yes. Sit thee down, I have prepared this chair for you to listen to this group. Perform your words, set to music. Could you loosen the ropes a little? Uh, Yes, just one minute. Ah, let's give a listen. My thoughts need not... My ewes breed not, my rams feed not, all is amiss. Love is dying, face defying, hearts denying, cause are of this. All my merry jigs are quite forgot, all my ladies' love is lost, I wot, where faith was firmly.
firmly fixed in love Their nails placed without remove One silly cross brought all my loss A frowning fortune cursed fickle day For now I see inconsistency More in women than in men remain like angels descending from heaven. Now that you've heard the piece, how do you feel about it? So saith the bard. <laughs> 